Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to Coach Menachem Bernfeld tonight on a beautiful Sunday summer night. And for joining us tonight's share is share 152. I just want to clarify, Menachem, because we didn't clarify this. We have the, the, the Tisha B'Av program, which was so amazing, which almost 10,000 people watched the video that Menachem put together himself with six speakers, and it was a really powerful program. And uh, a lot of credit to Menachem for really working hard on that. And that's not included in the Cheshman, so there's much more than 152, to be honest with you. But tonight's share is 152 live that we're doing. And again, I start off every week with thanking the Olam for you know joining us every week and being part of our Chabura, Sichas Chaverim, and promoting it on the WhatsApp statuses and emailing it to friends and letting people know about it. You know, it's it's been almost close to four years we're getting there. So Baruch Hashem for that, and we thank you. If anybody wants to get to every Sunday to Flory, can WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 and save my number, and I will send you every Sunday to Flory, Hashem, or you can go to menachembernfeld.com to his website and sign up to get all the emails that gives you the speakers, the replays, and all the hack and Coach Menachem. So please go to the website and join. All the people that are watching this on YouTube later, you can click on the like button and you can subscribe to Coach Menachem. So every Monday morning, after we finish the share, late Sunday night, we put it up and everybody can listen to it and you can get the notifications. So please subscribe to Coach Menachem. I'd also like to thank all the advertising sponsors that promote us every week. First and foremost, the Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood for promoting us in the, on the Lakewood Scoop, <laughs> from Five Town Central. Michaela Kaufman from JCN for always promoting us on all the digital Jewish platforms. Again, if anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. on this Zoom ID, we have tremendous topics. We, we spoke about come out everything I could think of. Sometimes we come up with a new cap, but tonight's actually we're going in a little bit different angle. So <clears throat> let people know it's different therapists, different abundant, tremendous people. people. And Metshem, next week, August 6th on Sunday, there will not be a coach Menachem Shir. Due to Asher Parnas making a chasana, I will not be here. So I told Coach Menachem to do without me. But unfortunately, because Coach Menachem is my best friend, he will be by the chasana as well. And then I said, Arnech should come do it by himself. But he's also my friend, so he'll also be by the chasana. <clears throat> so everybody who's a part of the Chasich is invited to join us in Lakewood. But uh, next week will not be a shir. And Metshem the following Sunday with Hashem's help. It's a lot of foreseen uh, things. We'll see what happens. August 13th, Metshem the next year. We'll be with Rabbi Yosef Greenfeld, Rabbi from Chestnut, who wants to discuss difficult marriages, marriages in crisis, and uh, I'm not sure hopefully that's the plan as of now. So please let everybody know about that and join, and um, please be part of it and spread the word. Now we have the schus and the honor of having world-famous Chanach. He wrote a best-selling book in Chinuch, Turbulent Times, an art scroll. He gained worldwide acclaim. tonight, and we're going to get into very important topics. Before we get into that, first, we're going to start with the Shir 152 and the CEO, president, CFO, and all the C-suite uh, people, Rebarna Echfried, is going to give us a gematria, and we'll see if it, we'll find out if it actually fits into the Shir. Let's go. Shir number 152, taming the storm of chutzpah in today's generation, particularly dealing with children. The well-known Mishnah at the end of Masech Besaita that describes how Ikhvis the Mashiach, the times the Mashiach is going to be, says, the Mashiach There'll be abundance of chutzpah in the times of Mashiach. And we sure feel this simon and sign in a very great way in today's generation in specific. 
And Bisyat Dishmaya, we came up with the Gematria that 152 is the Gematria Ayin Toiva. Perhaps with a good eye, looking at the unique qualities of our children and being positive with them and promoting their amazing attributes that each child has, we could possibly diminish Kutzpah. <clears throat> It was a beautiful gematria. We'll see if Rabbi Bizak will agree with it as we go on. And um, I want to start first with Coach Menachem. Coach Menachem, give us a little layout of what we're here to discuss tonight and what's the point of the shir and why we're spending yeah. our time here. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome, everyone, to another Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem. Baruch Hashem, it's uh, number 152. Hashem should give us clear. We should be able to continue. We are um, Sunday after Shabbos Nachmu. Um, last week was Tishabov, and yes, thank you all for the support for our video that we put out. And the um, Shabbos Nachmo, we need to have a, a little bit of Nachama after Tishabov. Many people feel it's again Tishabov, another Tishabov. Where is this going? But this is part of Nachmo, Nachmo, Ami Hashem says, I'm here, I'm with you. I know you're waiting. Many people have questions. When is it going to happen? How long do we have to wait? Not always do we understand. But uh, take that Nechama that we had this past Shabbos. And with that, we believe that, again, every day, no matter how many years you're waiting, we're hoping that he comes today in Mitzvah Hashem. So tonight's, tonight's topic, we are supposed to have a Rizek which has been in this line for many, many years. And hopefully tonight he'll be able to open some of us, the ideas, open our eyes to help us with our kids. It, it's, a, it's not an easy topic. It's a heavy topic, talking about chutzpah. Now, the, the truth is we live in a different generation. Um, myself, I can look back at my grandparents, the way they dealt with my parents, the way they dealt with me the way people lived in those days, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was, it was just different. It was a different relationship, a different way of being miyachas, um, having some connection with each other. And when they said something, we listened, and that's what it was. Now, the truth is, uh, I'm only, I have my own experience, but I know there are different types, some some would say with their grandparents, they had a great time. They were able to play and have open conversation. Others mentioned that there was not much to discuss. It was what they said, and we listened, and that's what we did. Looking now at our generation and our kids, in a way, it feels like the kids tell the parents what to do. And uh, they tell the parents what they want, how things should work. And in a way, you might think it's positive. Wow, let them express themselves. And it could be it is. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> say it's positive or not. We're going to discuss it tonight. All of this, I believe, is part of what we need is we have this balance of healing. We're all on our, our on our journey, trying to figure ourselves out, trying to figure out, you know, what we got from our parents, what we give over for our kids. Sometimes we try to do the same thing, and sometimes we learn that things have to change. But it's part of the process, and yes, we want them, we want the kids to express and to talk, so we know what's going on. But then us parents get lost, 
when they're saying things and we don't know how to deal with it. So in a way, it'd be much easier to shut them down. Just follow, just listen, do what I said. And that's it, don't ask why. But on the other hand, we wanna be there. We wanna have the relationship. We wanna be able to talk to them. They should be open to talk to us, their concerns. So we need a whole new training of how to deal with that. So Mitzvah tonight, you can ask all your questions and we should have a lot of siyata de Shemaya to bring up this topic, to see what's the right way, how to do it, so that when they grow up in Mitzvah they grow up in a, help, a healthy and a healthy environment and they learn it the right way. And hopefully they can give it over to their kids. Thank you very much. And it should be with a lot of atzlochem. So before we're going to read Rabbi uh, Brizak's bio, we're going to do tonight's share the for my father, who's actually not doing very well. And um, I'm going to say a kapital to him. And all 200 something people, let's say it together. And um, it should be a schuss for my father. Let's take a bit of 121, okay? You can say <laughs> Have a complete Rafushalema, and then we're going to go now to Rizak's bio. Rashi, could you mention the sponsor of Rafushalema? What do you mean? Do you have the name? No. What do you mean, my father's name? No, I don't have it. I'd sponsor Shana Malka Basdobra. Oh, Shana Malka Basdobra Shara Rafushalema. And your father, what's your father's name? Okay, so let's go into Rabbi Brizak's tonight's topic. Is taming the storm of chutzpah in today's generation, practical strategies for addressing your child's defined behaviors. I'm sure nobody could relate to that, but for the people that could, this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Rabbi Dov Brizak is the foremost figure in the world of Jewish education today. He's gained his experience over the last few decades as a parent, principal, author, lecturer, and consultant. His groundbreaking, his groundbreaking bestseller book, Chinuch and Turbulent Times, <laughs> has gained worldwide acclaim. Rabbi Brizak addresses the specific challenges that parents and their children face in our turbulent times. His profound yet simple, straightforward approach is brimming with encouragement and practical techniques that speak to the heart and the common sense of each and every parent. His every word is dreaming with Torah values and deep, all-encompassing love for every Yiddish child. Most recently, Rabbi Bizak has founded Chinuch Lifelines, consistent of trained parenting coaches available to help parents across the globe. He has a website, so anybody who listens to this wants to join. He has a lot of things going on. I don't know all the stuff. We'll talk about it later. But his website is Chinuch, C-H-I-N-U-C-H-Lifelines.org. You can check out his website. And Rabbi Bizak, it's a schuss to have you joining us live from Eretz Yisrael. Early, what is it, 3 30 in the morning? 4 30 in the morning? LA, it's from LA. Los oh, you're from LA? Oh, it's easy for you now. <laughs> easy. Yeah. Rabbi Rizak, the floor is yours. Open it up. Okay, Ves Hashem. Chanoich lan nar al With Chinuch, it's very interesting. Chinuch is very individual. You can't just standardize Chinuch and say, okay, I'll be Mechanach, everybody the same way. 
fit everybody into the same tight suit, even if he's taller, shorter, heavier, smaller. It's individual. And the son of Rebbe says, in the Sivas Shalom, the Chanoich Ladar al Pidakoi. He has to be Mechanach Ador according to its specific characteristics. So this is critical regarding chutzpah because people say, my parents taught me this way. I mean, I'll be honest with you, my career of chutzpah ended at a very young age when I was chutzpah to the landlady and my mother took out a hanger and I was on the floor. <laughs> that was the end of my career of chutzpah. So, I mean, why can't you do it? My mother was a fantastic mother. I have all my chinuch because of her. So why can't I do that to my kids? Can I do that to my kids? Should I do that to my kids? What's the way I should deal with the chutzpah? And the chutzpah today is unprecedented. Like Rabbi Menachem said before, it's not just kids talking back to you or kids not listening to you. It's kids telling you what to do. We had a case of an eight-year-old that she tells her mother before she goes out to school. This is from our people, a regular girl, not, a, it's not an extreme case. Mommy, when I come home, I want my lunch on the table. I want the living room clean and I want the air conditioner on. And that, I don't know if she had on, did you hear what I said? <laughs> I don't know if she said that part, but this is standard. This is what we're all dealing with. And with a lot of confusion, how do we deal with it? But you can't fix something up if you don't know what's broken. You have to know the components of the mechanism you're dealing with in order to be able to adjust and make it better. And what the most critical piece is that you have to do what works. If something doesn't work, and I think for tonight, the if this could be for you a way to possibly entertain other techniques that'll make things work better for you. A mother tells me that, is it okay with my 16-year-old? We don't really get along with each other. Can I avoid her and try to have as little to do with her as I can. That's what she tells me. So that's really not what we're looking for. Maybe you'll hear some new ideas and entertain some new types of dealing with things so that you can get new results that you are not used to getting. So instead of just beating, you know, the, in Makas Tzvardea, one of the Tanoim, I think it's Rabbi Akiva, says, how was Makas Tzvardea? A big frog came out and then they hit it with this stick. And every time they hit it, it opened its mouth and new frogs came out, and that was Makas Svardea. So our goal here is to get it, you to stop hitting the frog if the frogs are coming out every time they open their mouth. So let's try something else. You know, you can have a different way of dealing with things. I'll quickly give you an example. We had a, a girl, 11-year-old girl, who was sitting next to her father and all the family at Shabbos table. The entire family is sitting near the mother, near the air conditioner. Suddenly the father says, I don't feel well, and he moves next to the air conditioner. So it's the whole family against this 11-year-old. Now the 11-year-old says, I want to move next to the air conditioner. And the mother says, there's no room. You chose your seat. This is the seat you wanted, and this is the result. You're going to have to just cook in your own juice, so to speak. So the 11-year-old starts telling the mother what she thinks of her, things that would make you, make you not so comfortable. Like you're, and this is in Israel, so you're... Uh, uh, you're disgusting, you're obnoxious, you're ugly, all kinds of nice compliments. Now, we had a case like that. I mean, the case like this all the time, but a mother, girl told the mother, At chamora. you're a chamora. You know what a chamora is? There is no such word. It's a lady chamor, but really, <laughs> the word for lady chamor in Hebrew is aton, 
with Bilam, he had his Asain. But this world didn't make them. His mother says, okay, you're not going out for three days and we'll see if I'm a Chamora. I'm not a Chamora. We'll see. Another mother tells me from the States, a girl called her a failure, 13-year-old. You're a failure, mommy. Okay, so now you can't use your CD player. You can't go swimming. You're not going to be able to have this privilege and that privilege. Okay, mommy, I'm sorry. So we are here to explore. Was the girl sorry? No, she wasn't sorry at all. She wanted back her MP3 and her uh, swimming privileges and this privileges and that privileges. So we're here to give you a new view and possibly some new ideas that can open your mind and think maybe if I'll stop doing things the same way, I'll stop getting the same results. We've actually, so let me go back to the air conditioner case. This mother with the air conditioner, we, we worked with her. She came to our workshops. She worked for about, about took about five weeks. And we didn't work in with her one-on-one. -on -one. She just came to our workshops and she heard the different suggestions that were given and she implemented them. And she worked with this girl. Instead of fighting with this girl, she worked with her. And, and I wanna clarify something. People think dealing with chutzpah means either you discipline them or you scream at them or you sit back and let them do what they want. And we're not teaching not this and not that. There's a third way you work with the child you see what works with the child and you get things to work. We're here to make things work. After five weeks, it happened again. And the girl was sitting by the, with the father and the father didn't feel well. I think they should stop doing this actually. <laughs> but the father moved next to the air conditioner and the mother turns to the girl and the, the mother says, honey, would you like to sit next to the air conditioner? I could switch seats with you. And Hani says back to her mother, no, mommy, I want you to sit next to the air conditioner. Do you know that a mother told us recently, and the mother happens to be on this session. I saw her when she came on, she SMSed me and she said some kind of chat. She's right here listening live. This mother told me recently that she so enjoys getting along with her kids, which she never did in the past because her parents are really tough. She never enjoyed it so much, so she, was supposed to scream at one of the kids. She didn't want to scream because she's is so enjoying getting along. <laughs> Why should I scream? Now, am I telling you not to scream? I didn't say that, but I'm telling you to find ways that you can work with your kids that will work. We're here to make it work and we're here to help you stop going through all this agmas nefesh. Chutzpah is something which we need to know what works with it. One more point and then I finished what I want to say just for now. And that is that people try to eradicate chutzpah will make you afraid. You can't eradicate chutzpah in this day. It's not possible. You just heard it from the Mishnah. It says, Be'ikves meshicha chutzpah yaske. I heard from B'Shem Reb Moshe Turk who quoted Reb Elia Lopian, Zatzal, both of them. And they, they said chutzpah is needed today because we're in the door of Mashiach, you need chutzpah to stand up to things that are wrong, to people that want to take advantage of you. We had a case of a pet, uh, somebody wanted to molest a girl on a bus and the girl screamed out in front of the whole bus. And she made, I told Rebbe Menachem beforehand, uh, a girl picked up a hand and she, it was a man's hand and she said, anybody lose this hand, I found it on me. I'm not gonna, but, so that's a chutzpah neira. How do you have such a chutzpah? But this girl saved herself from getting molested. So it's sometimes you need that chutzpah. 
other people save themselves from being taken advantage of. And I, somebody in Lakewood, in Lakewood, I just heard about him a week ago. He's already older, but when I met him when he was 15 in Lakewood and he had been in touch with me, Rabbi, he says to me, my friends offered me drugs in Lakewood. Should I take the drugs? Should I not take the drugs? You need chutzpah when your friends are offering you drugs it's to say, no, I don't want it. So you need chutzpah. So to think any approach that's dealing with chutzpah, which is designed to uproot, eradicate, and obliterate chutzpah from the source is doomed to fail because chutzpah is needed here. We wanna channel that chutzpah. And you know what we wanna do? We wanna get kids to re wanna respect you. We're looking for respect. In this day, do you know how much respect you can get from kids? It's not to be believed. I'll quickly say one thing, and there's another mother who I believe is on the line as well. Her yeshiva, the yeshiva went to a chasana of the Menahel's son, and it was two hours away, and it was snowing that night. And the Menahel didn't want to take a chance, uh, the, the Rosh Yeshiva's son, and the Menahel didn't want to take a chance that in the people should take, he didn't want to take responsibility driving in the snow. Everybody had to get permission from their mother. So the boy calls the mother. There's an 18 year old, 18 year old, 18 year old. I said it three times. Eight, it's 18 year old. Reb Nech will tell you, Reb Nech will give you a gematria later on. 18 year old, three times. And what happened? The boy calls his mother, Ma, as just a formality, I'm calling you, but I'm going, okay? And the mother says, but I'm worried. <clears throat> Ma, you're worried everybody's going. What do you want? Everybody's going to this wedding. Ma, you can't as the Rashiva's son. I'm not gonna look, you wanna go, go. I'm not stopping, I wouldn't stop you from going. Kids are, <clears throat> the mother, <clears throat> he, she calls him about 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, I just want to know that everything's okay. Says, Ma, I didn't go. What? You didn't go? Says, Ma, I'm not gonna make you be worried about me. I'm not gonna do that to you. So you understand it is possible in this day and age <clears throat> with all that chutzpah out there, it's possible to have your kids being your most loyal fans and the ones who wanna respect you the most. On the other hand, I will tell you one thing and I'll finish with that, that I had a case of a father, a son was born up with a very strict father. And he told me like this, his father is now about seven in his 70s, maybe close to 80. And the guy's about 40 years old. My father sits with me in shul and he tells me his stories. And he tells me like this. He says, I don't have patience for the old man. That's what the father says. So, you know, sometimes even if you get good results from your strictness, you have to know that it's working. Your child may be building up resentment. Rav Shul Kamenetsky told me and Rav Rev, uh, Rev Volba said the same same thing. I remember from two Gedolim I heard Rev Zilberstein, excuse me, married, so says it in his book on Chinuch. When you overpower a child who's seven, eight years old, and I've heard parents overpowering children, they are parents that actually get on the floor and wrestle with children, and not only fathers, even mothers. So just telling you, I had a case, Rev Shmuel Kamenetsky told me once, I said, make your children afraid. What about that? And I heard from a Biankim Kamenetsky, it was right next to him, says, don't make your kids afraid. Fear is not a good thing. But I, I, Reb Shmuel told me directly, should be gesund, that if you make a six-year-old afraid, you overpower him with, with force. 
So he's going to hold it in, but he'll get back at you later on. So understand, just because you get results at the moment doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. It'll keep servicing. So chutzpah is very, very tricky. You want to get the respect. You don't want to get the compliance, and it's against the child's will. There's more to talk. I'm not gonna, I, I know you want to go on. You could talk uh, you could talk for hours and hours and not finish, yeah. Sorry, no, no, we have a lot of questions. Don't worry, we're gonna get a lot of clarity, I'm not concerned. Okay, yeah, let's first start off with a poll, Rebbe We're gonna ask the oil where they're holding and then we're gonna jump into it, okay? Let's start the poll. No problem, yeah. It's a three question poll, wait one second. Nachan, let me know when you can see it. See it? Okay, three questions. Here we go. Everybody answer to the best of your ability. When you ask your child to do something and he says no, what do you do? Four options. Threaten him, impose a consequence, look away, or ask it again until he listens. That's the first question. Second question. What do you believe chutzpah comes from in today's youth the most? Four options. What do you think it's coming from? It's coming from a lack of parental discipline and guidance coming from an influence of media and technology, peer pressure and social norms, like this is what everybody's doing today, or indeed the educational system, maybe that's what the schools are teaching them. Just, just a thought. Number three, which method do you find the most effective in dealing with your children's defiant behaviors? Four options. Setting clear and consistent boundaries and expectations, offering rewards and positive reinforcement for good behavior, Seeking professional counseling or therapy, or option four, providing opportunities for creative expression and hobbies, which means like if they're chutzpah, you try to redirect them and take them for painting and just try to redirect them into other expressions versus chutzpah. So those are the three questions. Answer to the best of your ability, and then we will review them together. Give everybody a few seconds to answer. For Rizek, once everybody's done, we'll review it together and uh, we'll, we'll see what you what, what you say. No problem. No problem. Five seconds left. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so this is the results. First question, when you ask your child to do something and he says no, what do you do? Only 6% of people threaten, 25% of people impose a consequence, 14% of people look away, or Bizak, more than half the people there, 54% of the people ask again until he listens. They keep on asking and asking until he listens. What's you, your have very, you, have, you, you have a very good group here. I must compliment you. All They're coming here for almost four years. They got to get some stuff right. <laughs> very good group. Okay, let me go. Can I go through the answers? Sure, sure. Okay, so threatening clearly is not a good thing. It's not a good thing to threaten altogether. Even if you want to discipline a child, either you say something or you give a consequence, but threatening really doesn't do anything. Imposing a consequence. And that's not the first thing you run to because imposing a consequence with as a first thing shows that you're very weak and you have to run to bring the artil artillery. Forget about the artillery. Let's see how strong you yourself are. So imposing a consequence immediately is certainly not recommended. And 
if you need one altogether, remains to be seen. We have depends on the situation. So that's certainly not an answer now. Look away. Look away depends. Is looking away going to make this better? Is going to make it worse? Will it continue? Sometimes looking away enables a child and he should, you should do something. You should not leave chutzpah just as it is if it will make it worse. Looking away, our goal is to make the chutzpah better, to improve and have more respect. If looking away will accomplish that goal, then it's an option. But in many cases, it'll make it worse by looking away. When looking away will solve the problem, then it's your answer. Ask again until he listens. Now, this is very tricky because I do agree with this answer out of all the answers. I think this is the correct answer. However, parents have told me many times that asking again and again and again can be viewed as a weakness. So I asked one of the G'dayle Hadar, I won't mention names just so I could be politically correct, but I've been in touch with many of the G'dayle Hadar from different circles. I asked one of the G'dayle Hadar, is it a weakness for a parent to ask a few times before a child listens? He says, no, that's the way kids listen today. And when you ask, I think what's critical here is that you ask with confidence. You don't have to ask, ask like, uh, like you're this uh, monster or anything like that, but you ask with confidence. People that are confident are calm. They keep their voice lower and they don't mind to keep asking. I had one person who I once worked with who was one of the most confident people I ever came across. And this person, was very friendly and very, they knew, he knew exactly how to get his way, but he did it, he just kept going. He asked and he asked, you be firm and you know that the child is going to listen to you and you keep asking, that's the smartest way. I will mention that there are children that are rebellious and that are oppositional. And the more you ask, the more they fight you. In that case, even asking again is not the answer, but out of all these four, it is the best answer. Thank you, let's go to the next poll. Okay, okay. Where, where do you believe chutzpah comes from in today's youth the most? So 35% of people think lack of parental discipline, 18% influence in media technology, 45% feel it comes from peer pressure and social norms, and only 3% blame it on the educational system. So basically, most people believe it's something to do with the parents, something to do with the peer pressure, and this is, this is the social norms of today. Everybody's like, what's your opinion on that? Okay, so I agree. Again, you have a very good group here. Uh, peer pressure and social norms, <laughs> I would say it means like this. It's not the peer pressure as much as it's the attitude society is breathing, which is what Chazal tell us. The attitude today is, I want what I want and don't stop me from getting what I want. Don't tell me what to do. I wanna get what I want. If you wanna call that social norms, that is social norms. And parents that come to stop their child from doing what they want are, uh, are perceived as enemies. Who says this? The Chavis HaTalmidim, the Eish Kodesh. Hashem Yenkem Dami was killed in the, in the Warsaw Ghetto. And he wrote his book, before the Holocaust. And Rev Turk, Rev Moshe Turk, the great Mechanech student of the Chazan Ish, I had a Keshe, he was one of my teachers in Chinuch. This is his book, a book they just wrote about him. Hanukkah just came out. An unbelievable Mechanech who the stipler, the father of Chaim Kanievsky, used to stand up for Rav Moshe Turk. And he put me on to this in the introduction. He says there, that the attitude of independence has become so great. And he's talking 90 years ago. He's saying that kids today, you can't mechanech them in the regular way because they wanna do what they want and they don't want you to stop them from doing what they want. Don't tell me what to do. So in past generations, <clears throat> if a mechanech or a parent would tell a child, 
that's wrong. You would say, you're right and I'm wrong. Today, don't tell me what to do. So I have to agree that social norms are a very big factor. Peer pressure, I don't know if I would say peer pressure, but friends can be very, also have a very, play a great role in chutzpah. Parents tell me they the, the friend comes over with them and the friend bosses the mother around. The friend is telling the mother what to do, or I don't like that, I don't like this. Friends can have a big role in chutzpah, but please understand, it's not where the chutzpah comes from. It's what makes the chutzpah bigger or smaller. Chutzpah is there because we need it, our kids need it. Now, educational system, of course, is negligible. Lack of parental discipline and guidance in some cases, in some cases, kids are chutzpidik because we let them be chutzpidik. Like you said before, that kids want to, you don't want to stifle their art. Oh, you said later on in the next one, so I'll leave it for the next one. Certain times parents need to be assertive, need to have the authority. Now, it's funny. We hear so much about being positive with your children and I and Toiva, the gematria you heard tonight, and being warm with your children, and you heard what I said. Unconditional but, love. That's right, and it's all true, but you need discipline today as well. And the, the sorriest thing in today's generation is people think you should let kids do whatever they want and heaven forbid to discipline them because then they'll go off the derech. And that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make. It, in every generation, it's true. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Just you have to know what kind of rod to use. That changes in the generation. To hit today, for example, can cause rebellion. Rabbi Yashiv said clearly, he's, it's printed in a few different places, not to hit today. And it's just about unanimously agreed upon by everyone. If you will hit, Rev Steinman holds you need four conditions. and Chaim Kanevsky holds you need two conditions. I heard a story with one of the big, big tzaddikim who hit, used to hit his child and the child would have to kiss the father's hand, and one time the child didn't kiss the father's hand. He talked about 90, 80, 90 years ago, 70 years ago, and then he stopped hitting. Rev Desler writes that you should hit in Mirtav Meliyah, and I asked this to Rabbi Volba, the Ali Shur, and he told me maybe 60 years ago it could have worked. So things are different today, but not to discipline at all and just to let them do it. Your child comes up to you and he says, you're a liar to your face. Now, sometimes you should let it go. But some, so to say that discipline should not be used at all is a big mistake. And what happens is like this, usually it's upside down. It's the parents that should stop disciplining because the kids are rebellious and it's not working and it makes it worse. Those parents keep disciplining like with the frog. They keep hitting with the stick and they keep, and even if it makes it worse, they don't care. I'm the parent, they're the child, and this is what they have to do. If they don't accept my parenting, it's their problem. And it's not true. It's not true because if you parent this differently, and that's what we're trying to open your eyes to hear a different way, it could work better and you'll get better results. And you'll be like the mother who's enjoying being with your child instead of being like the mother who's avoiding her 16 year old or the mother of the 14 year old who tells me she shivers and shakes when the girl walks in the room because she can't stand the girl and they don't get along. It doesn't have to be that way. On the other hand, you have a lot of children that the parents just leave them alone because they're afraid of doing anything. They're afraid the kids will go off the derech. A mother came to me when her child was three or three. She's afraid he's going to go off the derech, three-year-old kid. <clears throat> now, that's become so extreme that the parents that need to discipline 
And if they discipline, it'll work. They don't discipline. So when you say lack of parental discipline and guidance, it's also true. It depends what kind of child you're working with. So can I just say something so important to tonight's discussion? The you have to know which child you're dealing with. They ask me questions. Should you be strict? Should you be understanding? Should you be loving? Should you be positive? Should you be more firm and disciplinary? Depends what will work with the child. And I emphasize what will work with the child doesn't mean you get momentary results. It means the child is good with you. We have a formula. You'll interrupt me if, I'm, if you want me to stop. I just, please forgive me. I'm just going on, there's so much to say here, <clears throat> but there's a formula we have, we call it AIG2. And the main thing is based on, does the child accept, does he accept your discipline? That's the A. I, does he improve with it? G, is he good with you? And G2, is he good with himself? If your discipline is working and the child and you get along, there are children that are waiting for the parents to discipline them. Do you know, I've, we've seen adults that have come to me and told me that they have resentment on the, to their parents to this day that they didn't discipline them. But what's critical is to know, so that's the first critical piece here that when dealing with chutzpah, if your child is a child that responds well to discipline, then that's what he needs if that will work and you'll be close together and he'll accept it it makes things better do it don't be afraid to discipline at the same time at the same time discipline today is done differently than it used to be done in the olden days they could hit they could scream they could criticize they could do harsh things and it was good for the child because there was respect for authority. Today, respect for authority is non-existent. You can't use harsh methods. That's why I'm so pleased with what you all answered before about saying again and again, the first step in discipline being assertive. When we teach how to discipline, the first thing we teach you is be more assertive. We teach three C's, which is calm, confident and consistent. And we teach you how to do that. Stand on your word and stand there and ask the child again and again, and excuse me, please. And oh, put your pajamas on. Okay, please put your pajamas on and you can repeat it. And parents are amazed at how this works with the children that are accepting children. We divide children into two categories. I'll stop here. One thing is accepting children. And one thing is fighter children. Are your children the type that if you'll be firm with them, at the end, of, they won't like it at the minute. They'll call you names, but they'll accept it and they'll hug you tomorrow. If those are the types of children you have, then discipline is good for them. Don't let them do things they shouldn't be doing because you don't want them to go off the derech because kids go off the derech from lack of discipline too. On the other hand, if your child is a fighter, and you're going to discipline him and put up boundaries and say, you will not do this, this will not be tolerated, such and such and such, that's going to cause him to rebel more than don't do it. So that brings me to a final thing regarding this. And that is, Rav Steinman said that chinuch is measured by its good results. 
You can't tell me I have to do it this way. I have to do that. I once had it out with a father, 16-year-old girl going off the derech. I said, stop what you're doing. Change it. Stop being harsh with her. He says, it's her problem. No, no. Change what you're doing because chinuch is measured by the results. If it works, really works, that you have a good relationship with the child and the child is good with you and it's working, do it. If it doesn't work, change it. Okay, I'm sorry. I just said there's a lot to say here. Next. Let's, let's, you know, let's go to the last poll and then we got to get the questions. We have a lot. Yes, yes, poll. yes. Okay. Which, Which method, method do you find to be the most effective in dealing with your child's defined behaviors? Four options. 59% of people by far said setting clear and consistent boundaries and expectations. 28% offering rewards and positive reinforcement. Only 4% seeking professional counseling or therapy. And only 9% providing opportunities for creative expression and hobbies. Rabbi Rizak. I think you. Yes. I think it really was pretty clear that uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll system boundaries was the mahalach. No, not at all. Not at all. Oh. It depends on the child. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. It depends on the child. Seeking professional counseling or therapy when a child is sick, you go to a doctor. If you want to know how to be mechanach regularly, I don't think you have to ask the therapist for that. You have to ask the educators for that. As far as opportunities of creative expression, of, of course, if a child is in his ex creative expression out of bounds, you have to put him within bounds. So that's not an answer. We had a girl who was four years old and coloring on the walls because the mother didn't want to stifle her artistic tendencies. And that's ridiculous. Setting clear and consistent boundaries and expectations. What kind of child are you dealing with? Are you dealing with a rebellious child that he rebels against boundaries and expectations? So then it's not working. Don't keep pushing, don't keep hitting the frog when it's not working. Use other methods. These children need to be motivated to respect you. This mother who the girl's calling her obnoxious or disgusting, do you think the mother went with her with, she was overpowered her? You can't overpower a fighting oppositional child. I shouldn't say oppositional, a fighter child that's very independent. When you try to overpower these children, even if you win, you lose. So don't even go that way, use other methods. So these methods, who are they good for? the children that are not those independent, strong-willed kids. They're good for the kids that are, go, are with the program. And they go along, and there are many of them, lots of them. And if you discipline them and give the boundaries and are clear, they'll accept it. The problem is that the kids, the parents of these kids are not doing it because they're afraid of the kids. So if it's good for the kid, do it, go for it. If it don't get good results and the kid is against it, don't do it, please don't do it. Don't do what doesn't work because it makes it worse. Okay. Okay, Reverend Rizak, let's jump into questions. You ready? No, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, the first live question. You're on, but don't be cut for this. Let's go. I'm trying. Hi, Rabbi. Thank you Are so you? much for your class. This is so informative. Thank you so much. I was wondering, for a three-year-old who has constant outbursts and gets very angry and aggressive easily when he doesn't get what he wants, what would be a way to deal with that if he doesn't really understand when you tell him don't do that or he doesn't really comprehend when I tell him like this is wrong, but what's a way to deal with that? Okay, I'll be honest with you. The chinuch for children under the age of four is different than children over the age of five. Four to five is borderline. It's a different chinuch because these children don't understand and they need what we call 40% conditioning. They need a lot of conditioning. So what everything I've said applies to older ages. A child like this, you can't explain to him. He doesn't understand. And even if he did, he doesn't have the self-control 
to be able to do what he's supposed to do. So you have to go with force and consequences, not mean, but you have to be very firm and very consistent. And even I'll give you a story a mother shared with us with a three-year-old, 22, 21 month old, excuse me, 22 month old. But we've used this many times with these younger children and the boy didn't want to wear a bib. And the mother insisted they wear a bib and the boy was rocking his high chair and she put him into the high, he was turning red and he crying and everything. This went on for an hour and 27 minutes. But the mother held her ground. She was very firm. And from then on, the next, it's going on, I think, a few years already. I mean, now he must be older. <laughs> Three years, four years ago, five years ago, he listened every time and he was happy. So I think you have to be more assertive with your child and firmer. And even if you have to give consequences, what do you do with a three-year-old? We had a case like this. Three-year-old tells the mother, I want to go first. They're walking into the house. And the mother says, okay, you go first. He says, no, mommy, you go first. So the mother starts going and the boy says, no, I want to go first. It goes on, the mother told me it went on for 20 minutes. So what, what do I tell you to do? I tell you, after one round, pick the boy up, I love you so much, and pick him up and bring him into the house. So you're gonna sit there for 20 minutes and play a game. A three-year-old has to know he can't do it himself. You have to do it for him and be firm and consistent and don't be afraid to force him, honestly. Don't have to be harsh, don't have to be mean, we have to be a lot more firm and assertive, a lot more. Take a while, let's go to the next question. You're on? Yeah, hi. Um, what do you say to, um, like when a child is really chutzpah, like I hate you, I, whatever, about putting black pepper on the tongue? Okay, that's great. We had a mother that did that to a 10 year old. You put black pepper on the tongue and the boy was saying, mm, mm. the mother got so angry, she dumped the whole thing of pepper into his mouth. So I don't do that, but I'm just say, I'm telling you, Maisa Shahoya. So the, the boy had his whole mouth full of pepper and he was going, mm, what do you do now? <laughs> Honestly, if a child is saying, I hate you, I would do something else. I asked this to one of the Daily Hadar. I got in big trouble for saying this. I'm just telling you. But again, I want to emphasize something. What's our goal here? Our goal here is to get respect from the child. So I'm going to do the thing that's going to get me the respect at the well, end. Maybe of the it's day. not I hate you, but something that's really chutzpah. So I'll tell you. If if it's a difference if I say I hate you. If a child says to me I hate you, then I would go over to him, give him a big hug and a kiss, and say, "Well, I love you." But they reject it. If they reject, they don't really reject it. If they're saying I hate you, then they really want that. For the moment, they'll reject it. But now again, I'm presuming that the I hate you is coming from a place of hurt and anger. If it's only a shtick that the child uses, children are very smart. We had a seven-year-old and the mother says to the seven-year-old, put your pajamas on. He says, okay, but I hate you. I hate you with my blood. And the mother says, no problem. I'll put your pajamas on, but I hate you with my blood. Okay, he's in bed. And the mother says, okay, now you have to say Kriyashma. But I hate you with my blood. No problem, but say Kriyashma. Because the, the kid says, okay, now Ima, I said Kriyashma. Can you sit down line next to me, please? <laughs> so in other words, it's only a tactic to be able to dig the mother and get her upset. So you have to know where it's coming from. Like I said before at the beginning of the class, if you want to fix something up, you have to know what's broken. So a child is going to tell you, I hate you. What is it that I hate you? Does he really hate you? Is it just something to get you upset? Because he knows how to pull on your guilt strings. And he says, oh, I know if I say I hate you, mommy's going to go, oi, oi. 
it's going to go off the derech. Oh, he hates me, he hates me. And he doesn't really mean it. So my first question to you is, when he says, I hate you, or whatever chutzpah, does he mean it? Does he not mean it? Then in afterwards, the moment, they mean it. In the moment, they're very in the frustrated. moment, everybody means it in the moment. But afterwards, does he really mean what he's saying? He's just, I'd say a child is yeah. just upset. He's just upset. You know what I would do? We had a case where a child was upset. And we asked one of the Dalia there. He was his mother promised him she's going to take him out to the park at 4:30. And the mother got caught up with the baby. So the mother was late. And this boy is very exact with time. He's very misuda, seven-year-old. He has it in his bones. So he says to his mother, You promised me you'd take me out at things. another 15 minutes, another, and she was drained. And he says, You know, you're a liar. So we went, we asked one of the other this question because I was very taken aback. You're a liar. You're a liar. We've had a lot worse things than that, believe you me. But he said that's the way kids talk today. So if the kid didn't mean chutzpah and he didn't mean to hurt you, he just was hurt himself. He was disappointed. And that's why he spoke. Wait until later and then teach him. You say, mm -hmm. let's say you take him aside. Again, it depends where it's coming from. So we gave you three options. It's either coming from the child really means it because he thinks you're against him, which in that case, I would use something positive and warm and show him I'm not against him. I love him. Or it comes from he wants to press your buttons and get you upset, which in that case, I would not get upset. I would keep my cool and pretend like it didn't happen. Or the third option where the kid is really... He's not, he doesn't think you're against him, but he's frustrated at what happened, which in that case, I wouldn't say anything at the moment. I would wait till later and I would teach him. I know you're frustrated and I apologize. I'm sorry that you're frustrated. I didn't mean it would take so much time, but please, you can't say that to a mommy. You don't have so to say black please. Black pepper is never an option. I would never use black pepper. Again, even if I would use, let me say two things. Any running immediately to a consequence is a weakness on the side of a parent. We are trying to teach parents to be strong. If you have to run to a consequence immediately, you are not being strong. I want to and treat chutzpah right. like, like it's a fire, like it's danger. Like, oh, You want to make it, you, so you, that's very good. Do you want to treat it like a fire? I also want to treat it like a fire. Do you want to pour oil on the fire and make it bigger? Or do you want to pour water on the fire and make it go out? So I'm telling you, that consequences right away, they make, they're like oil on the fire and they make a child lose respect for you. I wanna get your respect. We want to have more respect for you, not less respect. So treating it like a fire is a very, could go two ways. It's not just one way. We wanna make you get more respect. Hey, Gavalda, Gavalda, Okay, mm -hmm. so no black pepper. What about the... So I'm telling you, we have three about, different... What about spicy sauce? I'm just going to black pepper or just everything across the board? Well, uh, actually, in Eretz Yisrael, they have a very good toothpaste called Tayyadin. I have a friend that texts me that has... your mouth. Yeah, I have a friend that texts me that has... That deals with a trauma center for adults. So he said, they could, you, could, you know, people do that to the kids. They could start signing up the kids now already. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know but if I would exaggerate. This, pepper doesn't make it trauma. Okay, let's go to the next question. Okay, you're online. Okay. Thank you. So um, my question is as follows. I have two, it's divided in two. So first I want to know, you never want to be too harsh with a child, but you never want to show that you're weak next to a child. And sometimes parents, they don't know what when to, what not to let, what yes to let. The kids then, especially in the summer, kids are partying at night, late at night. Mothers want to say, I don't let, I do let. How do you know how to draw the line? Like when to say, 
yes, when to say, when to give in, when to not deprive your kids and when to let. And, and also like if, if one certain mahalach doesn't work, how do you go around shopping? You, you, you go from one method to the next to the next. It's like, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you know what you said? You shouldn't be too harsh with the child. That's the accepting kind of child. You could be more um, assertive, but with a fighting type of child, the kids that fight discipline and, and you shouldn't be so like, how do you know how to shop around for, 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 for mahalach? I don't think you have to shop around. The first thing is parenting is not just, it's this time and it's all over after one time. You have time to work with and experiment a little bit. We tell parents to take time, take a week or two and get to know. The problem is if everything you're doing is out of anxiety and out of like, I have to react right now and I have to, there's a very big mechanach in Eretz Yisrael, the king of chinach actually, Bichil Yaakovzen. His book came out and translated in English, Spare the Child, I think it's called, Fantastic, fantastic book. But um, he told me once, he went to one of the G'daylim, one of the G'daylim Adar. I, again, I'm not mentioning names because I don't want to get any, I want to be politically correct. But the, he said, how do I know if what I'm saying is the right thing? Similar to what you're asking, how do I know if what I'm doing is the right thing? He said, right. it doesn't make a difference. He said that the 70% of the solution is that parents think before they parent, before they react. So there's no rush. There's no rush. It's not, we say like this, it's not overnight, it's over time. Take your time, do things patiently. A lot of times if you're thinking, you'll see this doesn't work, that does work. See what works with the child sometimes. And if you don't know, you can ask. There's so much material out there, find something that talks to you and go with that mahalach, but be, don't go shopping and one day this, one day that. When everything is instant, so it's okay, this didn't work, next and next and next, and you switch. Right, that's why also you hear, you pick up people say, oh, try this, try that, do this, do that. Yes. Like you keep hearing consistent, so many advice. Consistent for six months. Wow. But try a mahalach that works for you. And so first thing is think, you're a mother, Hashem gave you koyach, to know right and wrong. And if you come, I'll tell you the honest truth. Right, right, right. I just want to jump in. I want to jump yeah. in. Somebody was texting me that this book that you mentioned, Rabbi Yaakov Isaacson, right? Spear the Rod? Yes. So somebody mentions over there that it says over there that, just bring up the topic. I uh, don't agree. I don't agree with everything in the book. I'm not okay, giving us a that Sometimes when a child misbehaves, the parent or teacher needs to do a cheshvah nefesh on themselves. Very possible. Very possible. Look what we're saying now. A lot of times, a parent can be can can uh, parent wrong and cause things to become worse. Like we said before, they're pouring oil on the fire. I'm not. I'm giving you general clothing. I feel you have a very good audience here, and the people are very very special. I mean, you're all special people. To be honest with you, anybody who's having children today is special. Is raising a family because it's an act of selflessness. My daughter just had a baby. Baruch Hashem, two weeks, tonight is the two-week anniversary, Baruch Hashem, and uh, you're with the baby a whole, like, you can't do anything, this baby doesn't leave you alone, of course, Baruch Hashem, we're helping her, but I'm just saying, it's a life of self, selflessness, anybody's having children is special, and understand, it's Hashem, if you go with that selflessness, and you think, what's best for you, then you have time, take your time, and learn over time, what's going to work for this child. And if you don't know, take advice, see, and try something for a while. Honestly, I think that it's a need very much today for guidance and for listening to classes or to go to books because today is trickier more than ever before. 
It never was so complicated since the inception of Kal Yisrael. So I think guidance is necessary. I'm one of the people, there are many people out there that give kind of classes. Find someone you can relate to, you can talk to. And, and it's, not that, like, it's not like kids come with a manual, you know? If, imagine kids would come clearly, with a manual. Clearly, Hashem mm -hmm. made so many parenting classes available because he knows that there's a big need for it today. Mm -hmm. So, but find something that works for you, but more important than works for you has to work for the child. The mother came to us and said to me, she said, one of our coaches, we have parent coaches. So one of our coaches told me, she, the mother said, since I'm being tough with my child, everything's working better. My 17 year old wise guy, it's all much better. I said, I don't buy that stuff because she wanted to show me that being harsh is the only approach. So I said, go back and find out what happened. She said, what happened? She kicked the kid out of the house. That's what happened. The kid didn't follow the rules, so he's out of the house. Now, Raburi Zohar told me that he went to Rabbi He told me, I think, I heard, think I heard this personally, but he has it, and I heard it from him, that uh, he went to Rabbi He said, if you have a wayward kid and he's pulling down seven other kids in the family, what do you do? So he says, send the other kids out to live by other people and keep this kid home. Right. <laughs> so understand, if you go with the mindset, I want to help you, I want to help you be matzliach, not what's good for me, what's good for you and what's going to work with you and take your time. Hashem will help you get to the right place. One last thing is I don't, by me, I'm a big davener. Little Hashem help me, Hashem save me, Hashem please show me what to do. Hashem think, I don't think there's a, that book that you, that the book that I wrote, I don't know how many tefillahs went into that book all the time. I don't move without davening. I don't know how you can. Short tefillahs, not till him, not this. Hashem, please help me this. What do I do here? What do I do there? But do your hishtadlas. Find classes, find what works, and think. Don't have to do it today. You could take six months with this approach. Doesn't work, move on. Baruch Hashem. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I think we lost the lost no yeah, he froze up, I think. Yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll give you the next question that came in. And we'll take it from there. So somebody sent, I'm struggling with this concept. Sometimes I lose my temper and end up screaming at my kids due to the outrageous level of chutzpah. For instance, during Shabbos dinner, my seven-year-old called me an idiot. So this question wants to know what, how to react in such a situation. So it's very possible that the fact that they're losing their temper is feeding it, like we said before. In this case, very often children have very good senses of smell. They have antennas, they're born with them. If they can get the parents upset, then they're gonna go for it. And the Shabbos table is the place to do it. That's the place where everything happens. The Rev Turk told me that there's a special Sahara at the Shabbos table because the Shabbos table can be such a powerful thing on the side of Kedusha. It can help your kids so much. He told us a case where a mother came to him that her kids were acting out and she's in school. And she said, he asked her, how do they dress at the Shabbos table? Oh, we put them to stay, come with their pajamas. He says, no, get them special little clothes that they should feel like chasha by the Shabbos table. And the kids started behaving in school. One has nothing to do with the other, but there's such a power with the Shabbos table. So that's the place where everything goes wrong. There are other explanations. I mean, it's the family's not together that often and just, so listen to this. A father tells me that when he makes Kiddush, 
His son makes animal noises. <laughs> you hear a cow in the, in the background. <laughs> and it drives the father crazy. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> I tell the father, ignore it. What does the son want? Why? The son wants to get his father upset. That's what he wants. And if you don't feed it, like we said, you don't pour oil on the fire, the fire will go out. And the father listened to me. And today that boy is, he's, uh, he's uh, somebody you could be proud of, very proud of. That's a little bit easier when calling names. When you call a name, even if you call now, I'll tell you something else. We heard from one of the G'dayle Hadar. He said it at a big convention, Tyra Masara convention in 2007. What if a student is chutzpedic to a Rebbe? And the, he said the Rebbe should not be phased by it because the children will have more respect when they see that they can't press your buttons. Now, again, I'm there are many different responses to chutz. We have 10 of them, but this is a very powerful one. When they see that you're powerful and we can't press your buttons, you're strong, they respect you more. We're trying to get that respect. I had a friend who's married to not, uh, still he's a student of mine about tshuva. He's married to, he was married to a not normal woman. He got divorced a while back, Baruch Hashem. His miracles with what, whatever. But his wife used to taunt him and curse him, and he was quiet. I taught him to be quiet. You know what happened? He had two boys. One was at that time 12, and the other one, I think, was two years younger. And they each came over to him within a few weeks of each other, not knowing that the other one came over to him. He said, Abba, when I grow up, I want to be able to be a gibar like you. Kids have antennas. They see if you're losing your temper, then kids know it. And that's oil on the fire. The first thing I would work on is not doing anything. And what happens if your kid calls you, an, I'm sorry to say the word, an idiot, and you walk over to him and give him a kiss on the forehead? He'll be blown away. I had a case like this in a boys' kids' group. I ran a kids' group for 40 kids in Yerushalayim, in Beit Shemesh. And it's a long story, but a kid was chutzpedic to me terribly. He was one of my monitors. And I, I demoted him. I said, look, if, you, if, you're, if you're talking, and you, I can't have a monitor. That's, we had the big kids' group. I need the monitors to help me if you're talking. So I made another boy the monitor, and I said, as soon as you'll be... Okay, you go back. I didn't take this away from you just till you start behaving. And then I said to the kids, well, does anybody know somebody who's sick? We could do something for a refua, for a cure for someone. You know anybody who's sick? And this kid raised his, his spoke, called out. Yes, I know somebody who's sick. You, Rabbi Brizak, you're sick. Now, what did I do to that kid? I could do what I felt like doing, strangling him. Excuse me. I mean, I, I wanted to get upset at him, wanted to teach him a lesson. No, I did what I'm telling you. I thought, what's going to help the kid the best? And I turned to him and I said, you know what? Now you're behaving, you can be monitor again. I lied. That's called behaving? I lied. It's not called behaving. I lied. Isn't that terrible? I'm a sheker. The kid was in shock, which is what I needed to happen. He was in shock and now he was behaving for 30 seconds. So I gave a knock on the table. I said, see, I told you you're behaving. Thank you for behaving. That was it. I did it one or two more times. He was gone. He behaved the entire night. Not only that, next week, 25 kids came back. They had something doing, uh, whatever. And I gave a written assignment. He's the only kid that brought me back the written assignment. The only kid. Not only that, 
but he made a turnaround in school from that day on. And he became a better, one of the better boys in his class. He was a real troublemaker. So understand, there's another story I heard. Again, you have to know who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with the kids that need discipline and they do well with discipline, and you're gonna go with all this positive stuff, you're not doing what's good for the child. But if your child, but again, the discipline doesn't mean the pepper. It means being confident and being on top of that. Please don't talk to me like that. That's all. And, I don't, and that's not something you should be saying. I'm disappointed. Don't say that, please. You could be very calm and confident. That's what discipline is all about. But if the child is a rebellious child, is going to try to press your buttons and is going to try to get you upset and he's going to fight you and he's not going to give up. These children, the way to deal with them is not that way. You show them love. So with this story with Revoba, we had a, a Rebbe who told this over, the Revoba, the Ali Shur, the great tzaddik. Some, a Rebbe told him over that a fifth grader came to him. Uh, there was a Rebbe of fifth grade down south in Israel came to me, said that he had the troublemaker. This kid was a nightmare. And he did something that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And the whole class is waiting for the Rebbe to throw the kid out. And he walks over to the kid, whispered something in his ears. And from that day on, the kid was a changed kid. And he told it to the parallel teacher who also in fifth grade of the parallel class, also had a troublemaker, also did the same thing. And it also got him the same results. What was it? He said to the kid in his ears, it's not going to help you. I'm going to love you anyway. That's it. You see, when kids are fighting you, they want, it takes two to fight. They want to fight back from you. The minute this kid's calling me sick, he's looking to get me angry, to get me upset, to come back at him, to have a back and forth with him. It's exactly what he wants. They're actually mothers that fight with their kids on the floor. They're mothers that don't stop at a case of a mother. They call them power struggles. And they're fighting to overpower the kid. I will not tolerate chutzpah. And I will fight until it's obliterated. Does it work? Is it working? Is it making things worse? Don't just obliterate chutzpah because you're not obliterating it. You're making it worse. You don't want that. You want the child should have more respect, not less respect. So what did this mother do? She, all right, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh uh, 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 a side note on the idea of showing love is uh, are we supposed to first figure out what the relationship with the child and the parent is many times the relationship with the the relationship is already negative and they they're you know showing love well they would they don't want to take your kisses they don't want to take your hugs they're not interested um we're talking about how do we start how does one start showing love after could be years of not getting along and uh, fighting? That's a fantastic question. And actually I received a question like that. I used to be on more on the web on a certain website when I first started out. And what happened was I got an email from a, a Gentile doctor. She called herself Rock and Roll MD. And that was her email. And she emailed me, Rabbi, what do you do if I have my 22-year-old, we are at each other's throats. She's so oppositional. I, she can't stand me. I can't stand her. We're at each other's throats. What do we do? So I, I shared with her a concept that's not my concept, not original, but it's true. And what is the concept? That it's like a bank account. The relationship between you can be looked at like a bank account. So if the bank account is $10,000 in the minus, 
does it mean you could never get it back into the plus? Or does it mean you just have to keep putting deposits in until you get it back into plus? So parents think, but I took him out. I took her out and I was nice to her and she's still disrespectful to me. Yeah, because you made a deposit of $500. It's very good, but you're still $9,500 in the minus. It's not going to happen from one time. If you keep at it and you keep at it and you don't make withdrawals at the same time, you might keep at it, but you might uh, be taking money out of this. You scream at the child, you tell the child what you really think of them and back and forth. In the meantime, then it's gonna go downhill. So you have to be careful with that. So this mother, the rock and roll MD, emailed me back three months less 10 days, said, Rabbi, I did it. The subject of the email was Toda Rabba Rabbi. She said, her and her daughter are very good friends today. That's what she said. I had a case of a mother where a mother held her daughter, a teenager, and she was throttling her. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. The mother was doing that to her daughter. And they called me in. I, the daughter was like in shock. We said, you have somebody listening who's on a trauma center. This daughter was traumatized. That's an understatement. She did not talk to her mother for a month. And the mother was angry at her and the mother, but we coached the mother and we worked with the mother and it's a lot, it's many years later. Do you know their best friends? Their best friends today. Took a long time, but it can be done if you work consistently. If you get upset at your child that they're chutzpahdik and you just get more upset and more upset and more upset, not going to happen if you make inroads. And I, if I could point out another thing that you're saying, which I think is very important, chutzpah is often a symptom. That's what Rav Steinman told us. He told us there's no such thing as chutzpah today, which is a big, big chiddush. He said that every child wants to find favor in your eyes. Every child wants you to accept them and love them. Even the wise guys, even the kids that seem to be the most confident and seem to be the most unruffled and have, are so full of attitude, even these kids want your love. They're desperate for your approval. Maybe they've given up on it a long time ago. These kids want it so badly. If you know that, you'll deal with it differently. So chutzpah is a symptom. It's a symptom of something else. If you can work the relationship out between you. We tell parents like this. So many parents, how do I discipline? Why do I discipline? Why do I discipline? But how do you love? Do you have a good relationship with your child? You know, love is the default. Love is supposed to be most of the time. We have a, a scale we teach in discipline that when a child is under four, you should discipline them 40% of the time, like I mentioned before. When a child goes from five to 12, get it down to 20% of the time. When a child is from 12 to 15, get it down to 10% of the time. When a child is from 15 to 18, get it down to zero. What does that mean? It means you should let them do whatever they want? No, it means if you're getting along with your child and you have a common language, then the child is doing what they should be doing without discipline. Look at the child with the air conditioner. Look how the child, the 11-year-old girl, 
mommy, I don't want to sit. I want you to have the air conditioner. And that's what we're looking for. And you can have that in your situation. The 18-year-old boy, the whole yeshiva went to the wedding and he stayed home. He will not have his mother worried about him. Heaven forbid. So, so it's not chutzpah can be a symptom put in work besides reactive work. Put in proactive work. Do things before things happen. Make a good relationship. Show your child love more than everything. Show your child you are on his or her side. I have to share with you a story about Rabbi Twersky. Yeah, Rabbi Abraham Twersky, the one who wrote all those books. His father, his father was a Hasidic Rebbe. And in his first book, I think he writes, he was playing chess on Rosh Hashanah. A guest came and they played chess and he was good at chess. So his father gave him Musa and Yem Hadin, you're playing chess. That's what you do on, on Rosh Hashanah. And, the, and he gave him a whole schmooze. And then at the end, he turns to him. But you won, right? I'll tell you a story with Rav Steinman. Unbelievable story. Rav Steinman was a Rebbe in high school. And in the middle of the class, imagine, it's hard for me to imagine this, but somebody, the two kids broke out fist fighting. They're fighting with each other in Rav Steinman's class. Now, okay, I'm not gonna, how could you do that, Rav Steinman? But Rav Steinman didn't look, he looked away. And he waited till everybody stopped and he kept looking away. He took his time, very, very genius in Chinuch. I can't tell you his brilliance in Chinuch. And then he's waiting. Finally, he heard everything quiet and he waited a little bit more so the kids should be uncomfortable. Then he turns to one of the boys and says, who won? Minitzea. <laughs> who won the fight? In other words, he's with you. He's on your side. You're on your child's side. Do you joke with your children? I tell parents, again, if the ice is so, there's so much ice, you have to chip away at the ice. So do small things consistently. It's not overnight. Do little favors for, go out of your way for, make your child a priority. Be happy to give them. There's so many things you can do little by little to break the ice and make those deposits. But in general, to, to be on your child's side, to, to show your child love, that is a cure for chutzpah. If a child trusts you, a child will not be chutzpah to you unless they're not realizing it. It's a very big point. Here, everybody's like, let's go to the next question, okay? Yes. My nine-year-old will call me names in public during the Shaver Brachas or any Simcha we have. How do you, what do you recommend from stopping to do so? How do I, or should I let it go? Like when you're dealing in a public situation, a child is calling a parent a name or saying you're stupid, you know what I mean? So that I mentioned before, like like uh, Rav Steinman told, I didn't say the name, but he was at the Terra Masara Convention 2007, and they asked him a similar question, what if a student is chutzpah to a Rebbe in front of the whole class? And we was mentioned this before. We mentioned that in these cases, when you don't react, it's showing more respect because the child will see that you're not, you're not so weak that he can press your button so easily. You're less susceptible and you're less uh, vulnerable. That's the word. So the kids have more respect than the other students. Well, again, now, what about family, what about family and your kids calling you? But at the moment, you're strong and you don't react. You can say if you have to, if it's ongoing, I find it hard to believe that the child is going to keep going if you're quiet. 
You just be quiet and deal with it later, not in front of the kids, not in front of everybody. Why do you have to deal with it at that moment? I don't see any gain. And to the contrary, you're gaining points by being quiet and not reacting at the moment. That's, that's where if, the nefesh that we discussed before, that's where there's a lot of self-introspection to see that yeah. the buttons that is that are pressing you should be able to not get lost, understand your child, whatever, you know, people could understand that, you know, but people are scared, you know, what, are, they, what are people going to say, you know, and what, how do people see my chinuch uh, and, um, you know, my child is chutzpah, and it presses buttons and they can lose it. So that takes a lot of work to be able to just stay calm and not react and go on. It's true, but you know something? People will have more respect for you because of that. If you even look the way of that child and you look at them with a smile or whatever, I don't know what the child needs at that moment. But if you if you react with more Yishuv Hadas, like we said at the beginning, if you're thinking, even if you do something, you have nothing lose, nothing to lose to wait. Are you here? to impress everybody around you? Are you here to help this child succeed? This child is chutzpidek, and you have to deal with it. You can deal with it later on. You'll deal with it much, much better instead of dealing with it right now. Again, if you're at a shevrebachas and your child keeps going at you and keeps whatever, I think this spouse should remove that child from the shevrebachas. And he won't come to he'll take him out right now if he keeps going. If he said one comment, and that one comment, you can ignore it and deal with it later on, because then you'll be able to do what's going to help the child right now. And people will respect you more for that, not less. When you're doing what's best for your children, you're above these things. People respect you more. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. But again, that, that's not the nekuda. If you're being mechanech, your children, according to what, what's good for people, your child might not necessarily succeed. Because you're not doing what's good for him. You're doing what's good for people. Yes, you're right. It takes time. The best thing we've learned with these things is to wait. We had a, we told the mother to wait 10 seconds before she reacts. And she did it many times. She said it changed her life. Waiting will get let, allow your seichel to kick in. Then you could think. And thinking is such a big thing here. It can change everything. Let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hi. Okay. Um, I'm a high school teacher. I teach high school girls. And I was wondering, like, how am I supposed to react when girls are, like, they are downright chutzpahdik? They answer, like, questions like, I would ask a girl, like, can you please quiet down? And she would say no. Or, like, a girl once shout out, she was like, can you just stand more behind your desk? You're, you're talking so loudly and you're so annoying. I'm getting a headache. Like, downright chutzpah. Like, real chutzpah comments. How are you supposed to act for that? That's a very good question. I think my daughter is also a high school teacher. So <laughs> I tell you. And she finds that when you have rules and certain boundaries in the class, that the girl, it's the girls like that. It's not good to let girls be chutzpidik in your class. But if you get angry, so again, what's critical here is I think I hear a class is not a house. The house is not a classroom. Please understand in the class, you have to run your class in a way that there will be classroom decorum. So you have to have that. So I would, I would what we call be assertive, I would be stay calm, I would not be phased, but I would say, please do not speak like that. That's not an acceptable way of speaking. 
And if you need to have certain consequences, certain boundaries that are put in place, then do them. But you have to be calm and you have to be confident. If you get angry or if you start running to the consequences of something, then I would not. Now, this is happening. What age girl? What class? Uh, give me an example again. A girl says out to you. Like, and this would be a perfect example. Like a girl raises rent in 11th grader and she doesn't even raise her hand. She just calls out. She says, can you just stand behind your desk? You're like getting too close to us. Like I, when I teach the class, you know, I'm like, you know what I would do? Honestly? I prance around the whole front of the classroom. Like I like to be all over the place. Cause I like to be, you know, like it should be action and it should be like, I shouldn't right. be stiff in one place. So, and they got annoyed about it. And I guess I was talking too loudly and the girl was, got annoyed that I was shrieking on top of my voice, whatever. And like, she was being sweet, but she was being way too friendly to a teacher. Like, you don't talk that way. Even if you have a headache, you know, there's a way to say it to a teacher, you know? So you know what? I would, I, in the middle of the class, I wouldn't react to it. I would say I would do what I had to do. But afterwards, I would take her aside and have a discussion with her. Not everything has to be done in front of everybody else. Do you have to respond on the moment to that? And like Rav Steinman said, when you don't react, they have more respect for you. Now I will tell, I don't, sometimes kids pull, I don't know what she meant. Was she trying? It sounds like she was not trying to press your buttons. She just did it naturally, not not realizing what she's doing type of thing, like treating you like an equal without she was realizing. Like, they, so the girls today, they, they just speak whatever's on their mind. So on her mind, it was getting her annoyed. So exactly, that's exactly what she said. She was just speaking her mind. Mm -hmm. And this happens often from a lot of the girls in the class, or it happens only. So unfortunately, from this yeah, they're a great class, and the girls are usually very cooperative, and they they like to learn, but they're very assertive. They say exactly what they want. Like you know what I would look do? at her shoes, okay. check out. Look at her shoes, check out this, check out that. Like I'll tell you what I would do. I'll tell you what I would do. I'll tell you what I would do. I would say something with a lot of respect. I would give the girl a compliment. You know, I say you're such a good student. And you're such a respectful girl. I really appreciate it. And I want to give you as much respect as I can because I hold the world of you. And then I would say, I would ask you a favor to give me back the respect as well. And I would have a talk with my students and I would explain to them that, look, I respect each and every one of you and I'm here to make that respect a reality and to help you succeed as much as in my powers. And I would like the same thing back from you. See, kids can understand that. If they hear that you're above them, I'll tell you something interesting, very interesting. We heard from Rabbi Gamliel, Rabinovitz. Have you heard of him, the great tzaddik in Mekobal Yerushalayim? So he told me that the way to get your kids to do kabed es avicha ve'esimecha is to do kabed es bonecha ve'es bitecha. And so counterintuitive, I would think the other way around. But he said, no, when you respect them, they respect you. So... The uh, my Rosh Yeshiva Rev Yehuda Adis Shlita Rosh Yeshiva of Kol Yaakov Yeshiva in Jerusalem said the same thing to me. So let's say this girl is talking to you like that, and you say, "Chavi, you know I I respect you with the world. I have the utmost respect for you. You are such a special girl, a talented girl, a girl with wonderful sterling midos. I really respect you, Chavi." I would ask the same thing back from you to me. That's all, without addressing this specific sentence, she'll get the message. And I would have a talk with all the girls and I would give the girls guidelines. I think this is a chance to have a dis open discussion with the girls. 
not to come as an authority and I have to impose my authority and you have to follow the rules and if you don't, we'll kick you up. I say, girls, I come in here with tremendous respect for each and every one of you. I hold of you. And I want to show you more and more respect. But girls, in order for me to do my job, to do that job, you have to give me the koyach. And that koyach will come from your showing respect to me. If you're going to say things, and, and I could always, and I could always repeat it, like occasionally here and there, if I feel absolutely. Like. But start it out with a compliment for the girl. There's no way I can see a girl's going to get a compliment to say you hold the world of her and you have such respect for her, and then you're going to ask from that back for her if she doesn't accept the symmetry, there's something wrong with her. So I think that's a very good way to go about it. That's a shame. Right. Okay. Okay. Here, Rizek, let's go to this question, okay? Yes, yes. Somebody's saying that they, they're letting a lot of the ch child's chutzpah like, continue. They're not, they're not really dealing with it. They're just letting it play out. But they're seeing now that the situation is getting worse and worse. It's becoming a nightmare. It's, his, his behavior is accelerating and deteriorating further. What should they do? So what, what my father is, was a dentist. He should be gesund. And he had a sign in his office, ignore your teeth and they'll go away. So sometimes when you leave something go, it's gonna get worse. You have to do something. The parents, like we said before, there is the mindset that either I'll be tough and rough and I'll do, I'll do, I'll do or I won't do anything. And neither way is good. Look how we just discussed now. So in this case with the high school girls, so you're gonna to be tough. The girls will act out, either they'll act out more or they'll resent you or they won't do their work or whatever, or you're gonna let them. So they'll do things that are not appropriate. They won't have respect. That's also not good. So you have to do a third thing, a different thing. You have to do something. Just leaving it go is not the right thing. Now, what something do you do? It depends. We gave you different things to do. If it's a child that will accept the assertiveness, so go for it, be assertive. If it's a child that will not, again, but not accept doesn't mean for the minute, and it's good now for the minute and next week they're back at it or next few days later they're back at it. it means the child is good with it they thrive on boundaries so then do it and go for it if the child needs that discipline do it if the child is a rebellious independent child that's not what they need they need the warmth they need the positive and they need the belief in them that will get them. They need the kabed That's what they need. Sometimes kids, I'll give you a new tool to use. We have, again, we have 10 different tools that we like to use with chutzman. That's not an, a comprehensive list by any means. Not a, there's more to it. But here's a case. A girl was mimicking, a 14-year-old girl, was mimicking her mother at the Shabbos table. There were guests there. And the mother's saying, don't talk to me like that. And the girl says, don't talk to me like that. And, but I, that's very disrespectful. And he goes, that's very disrespectful. And the father, then the father starts coming in for the mother. Like, you know, you can't talk to mommy like that. So he goes, well, you can't talk to mommy like that. And it's so embarrassing and the guests are there and everything. Suddenly I was, I was at that Shabbos table. What can I tell you? I felt bad for the father. Suddenly the father broke out laughing. He was laughing hysterically. It was... <laughs> It was so funny. I was there. Every, it was so contagious. Everybody started laughing and the whole place was in, was mamish laughing and the girl started laughing too. And that was the end of the whole thing. It diffused the tension. Sometimes chutzpah can be diffused. 
doesn't have to be, a mother told me, her 13 year old would come over to her, he made this makeup word to drive his mother crazy. So he made a word like Mooney or Nooney or something, and he comes with Nooney, Nooney, and his mother would go crazy and crazy. I said, take it easy, no problem. Tell him you love that. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, leave, that, leave that situation for a minute. A seven-year-old was uh, cursing his mother out. He was really angry at his mother, and the mother knows he loves jokes. We, we told her this method in the workshop, basically. She took out a joke book. The boy's screaming at the mother. He's terribly angry. He's disrupting the whole. He's turning up the up and down the living room, turning it upside down. He's doing a terror, seven-year-old terror. And this boy is very independent and very, very oppositional. The mother took out the joke book and she started reading jokes. Then the boy started screaming, no, no, don't do that because he doesn't want you to do that. And the mother continued. And the boy started laughing and he sat down next to his mother and he behaved. Now you say that's not nice. That's not chinuch, is it? Chinuch is what gets you the results. And if it gets you a result that your child will respect you more, then you're getting respect. Aren't you getting what you want from the child? There are parents that tell me this is not right. A child is chutzpidik and you reward him by joking. I'm not rewarding him. I'm stopping him. I'm getting him to turn around and have respect for me. I'll do it with this way. Is there anything wrong with that? That's fantastic. I've discussed this with Gedoyle Hador and they love it. That's what they tell me. So please understand, chinuch is what works. If you'll diffuse a child, we call it diffusing. You'll diffuse a child's chutzpah and you'll get him to behave and respect you because you made a joke and that's what turned them around. So go for it, do it. Beautiful. Okay, here's another question that came in. My son is a bright and well-behaved boy. He's seven years old. I've noticed that he needs assistance with social skills, such as talking, he talks very loud, being overly aggressive with friends, interrupts when I'm speaking to other adults. I'm concerned that he has some tendencies to turn chutzpah. I'm uncertain whether looking away is the appropriate response or if I should correct him each time this behavior occurs. Okay, so there's sometimes when you'll react and react and react and it won't do the trick and you have to teach, you have to teach the child. I had a case, I saw a child, they were videoing him, doing a family video and the mother said something to the child, the boy is 12 years old. I saw this, Mamish, and the boy says, mother, shut up. I'm sorry for mentioning that word, but I was dealing with this boy. This boy didn't have a certain social awareness. And he said something, he didn't even know that this is chutzpah, he just was annoyed. So he said, shut up. Now there are kids that will do it because they want to hurt the mother, they want to get back at the mother. A lot of kids do it, like Steinman told us with the seven-year-old who called his mother a liar. He didn't know that's the way they talk. So that a lot of times kids don't mean, they come over to the to the mothers, they can say the worst things and the most ridiculous things, and they don't even realize that it's chutzpah. So what I would do in these kinds of cases, again, not every case is that. And we said, you can't fix it up if you don't know what's broken. But in a case where you suspect a child has social issues and he's off and he doesn't get certain social norms, teach him, teach her. You know what? People teach social skills and that's what they do. We had a case where I dealt with a, with a the big psychologist in Israel 
that you have to wait online for him like a year to get into him. And we brought one of these kids to him with social, social, he doesn't get social cues and social understandings. He's one of his siblings uh, had to go to the emergency room and he comes up, where's my supper? Like he just doesn't get certain things. You have to explain it. So he said, you have to make diagrams and you sit down with him and you explain to him and you teach him. Teach, teach a child, sit down. A friend of mine went to the stipler with his three and a half year old boy who was stealing. And he said to the stipler, I think I should hit him. And the stipler said, why do you want to hit him? And he said, because I want to teach him. So the, the stipler said, if you want to teach him, why didn't you teach him? So like my friend was taken aback. <laughs> I don't understand. I'm, I'm hitting him to teach him. That's what he mean. If you want to teach him, teach him. Don't hit him. So my friend is looking like, I said, learn Musa with him. Three and a half year old boy. Take Adam Musa safe. And now Rev Turk told us, the great Mechanech, that's how Rev Moshe Turk told us that with little children, you teach them stories of tzaddikim. You do things like that. I have to share with you something. There's a lot of proactive stuff to do here. Not everything is reacting on the moment. You can do things later on. I think what we said before to one of the mothers is such a critical piece. And that's that chinuch is not overnight. It's over time. It's not either this time strike or you're out. You have many chances to be mechanach. You know what? Experience, I, I went into chinuch. I can't tell you how many mistakes I've made. And they say like this, Mark Twain said, that experience comes from, uh, good judgment comes from experience. And experience comes from bad judgment. So you have time to make a lot of bad judgments <laughs> till you get your experience, and then you can make good judgments. I've made plenty of bad judgments, but you have time. It's not overnight. When I became a Rebbe, I was mamish. I was messing everything up, and I wanted to quit. Even somebody introduced me. I went to Manchester on a speaking, a speaking tour, and the Menahel of a high school introduced me to speak. Here's my friend, Rebbe Brizak. When he first started teaching, I passed by. And I saw him and I saw his face. It was during recess, during break. And I said, Brizak is not going to make it. <laughs> you have plenty of time. You can make your mistakes. There's no rush. If there's no rush, you can teach. Not everything is on the moment. You can teach later on. A child that doesn't get it, teach him. You know, Yankee, this is chutzpah. This is not the right way to speak. You're such a respectful boy. Why don't you say it in this way? This way would work better child that doesn't have social skills, and you have to do it again and again and again. If they don't get it right, continue. If that's who the child is and you have a good relationship with them, they'll accept from you. Teach and keep teaching and keep teaching. Right. So teaching is, doesn't have to be in the moment. Teaching is... When not, you... not only teaching, a lot of the stuff doesn't have to be at the moment. What do you do if you're in a car and we had this, we had, you did some parenting polls. We had a parenting poll. I know you're not uh, prepared for this one, but I'll say it anyway. We've done this in the past. We asked parents, what do you do in this case? Where uh, it actually happened. The, the parents are driving the kids to school in the winter and it's just on time. They have to really hurry. Can't waste any time now. Get everybody into class on time. And the six-year-old in the back seat opens the window. Now it's cold in the winter. So the mother says, the father says, close the window, Moshe. And doesn't. 
And the father says again, close the window, Moshe. And he doesn't. What do you do? And the mother says, you're not listening to Abba. That's not respectful. No, nobody does anything. And the window's open. You can't do I want the kids to get a call. What do you do? We've done this parenting poll. We've gotten very interesting responses. One mother said she will do anything and threaten her kids with the worst threats and punishments until the kids are terrified and they will listen. It works every time. I said to her, how old are your kids? She said three and four. So that's very, <laughs> that it works every time. <laughs> By now her kids are 13 and 14. I'm sure it doesn't work every time. Another mother said, she's the denial mother, this mother. She said, there's no such thing as not listening. That's all she said. There's no such thing as not listening, which I very much appreciate. But, but it's a kashoy for mice. So the window's open and it has to get closed. What do you do? So I'll give you a new tool. It's called like this, first aid. One father said, it was very interesting, a very, a very interesting. And he says, everybody should open their windows in the entire car. <laughs> it's reverse, <laughs> reverse psychology. Let's get everybody to open the windows. So uh, the mice said, what did I tell the parents to do? What do I, what do I suggest just for the moment? The father, stop the car for a second. Father, get into the back seat. Sit between the boy and the window, close the window, and let's go to school. Don't deal with it now. There's something called first aid. It means a temporary solution to an immediate problem. You just deal, resolve the situation without making it worse. Just get it done. You need the window closed. You don't have time not to deal with the chutzpah. You'll deal with the chutzpah later on. Not everything has to be dealt with at the moment. You can't have the window open. Everybody's going to get called, so you stop the car. And you, you, sit, you sit over there, close the window, and you go back to school. You can deal with it later. Imagine now, I know there are many that have grew up with the concept that by chutzpah, there is zero tolerance. So maybe you can talk about that for a minute. Right. So, of course, like we said, but zero tolerance, what's critical here is chinuch is measured by the results. Will zero tolerance stop the chutzpah? That's what I want to know. Is it working by you? Or is it making things worse? And even if it stops the chutzpah for the moment, does your child get along with you? No, mother told me about her 18-year-old girl that was in Shiduchim, and she wasn't talking to her mother. She was sharing everything with the neighbor, driving her mother crazy. I know another case where a girl, a crazy story, a girl got a hold of a, a lot of money, and for some crazy reason, it went into the girl's bank account, and she was 18, and the parents couldn't have access. And the, the, this was from the strict mothers, the no-tolerance mothers. And later on, the girl and the girl didn't want to give any money to the mother. The mother had to take the girl to a din taira and based in that she should give her money. I don't think she won the case. So I'm saying, kids, if you win the situation, but you lose the child, it's not working. So again, if you have zero talents of chutzpah, I also have zero talents of chutzpah, but I want to get the child to have respect for you. Not that the child should resent you, be against you, and just go along because they're afraid of you because you're stronger than them. So zero tolerance for chutzpah, that's our policy. Zero tolerance for chutzpah, but, but we're going to work on it to get there over time, not overnight. You're saying, you're saying it doesn't mean right away. We're going to take care of it. And it doesn't mean to smash them. It means to do what works. Use the technique that works. 
and work and works doesn't mean for the moment works means that you're getting along with her like the mother who's telling us she so loves to get along with her children her mother was a disciplinarian she's on the line her mother was a disciplinarian and she was tough with her kids and it was a balagan a whole mess and she changed her techniques over months one or two years and now she loves so much getting along with them. and some of them are teenagers she loves getting along with them so much that she doesn't want to scream at them because she doesn't want to ruin it you can have your kids eating out of your hands. You can have, believe it or not, it doesn't have to be that the 16-year-old and you avoid each other. And it doesn't have to be that with the 70-year-old, you lock the door and he has to climb in from the window in order to get into the house because he went out after curfew. It doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to be locking horns and fighting each other. And it doesn't have to be the 18-year-old that doesn't want to tell you anything about their shiduchim. It doesn't have to be like that. You can have such a good relationship and they could have tons of respect for you that's our goal so all we're asking you for tonight is to open your mind to a different approach if what you're doing you're hitting the tzvardeya with the stick and more frogs are coming out stop hitting maybe a different technique is in order tzvardeya you know you're such a good tzvardeya you are so productive and you're so good. Give him a kiss. I'm not saying, but if you're a mother, it's right there. That's what you can do. For example, yeah, I'm sorry. Here's another um, challenge that somebody asked. What should I do if I notice this behavior coming from my spouse? The way they talk to the kids is very blunt and a lack of sensitivity, which seems to trigger an automatic response from the kids, causing them to answer back in the same manner. So I'll tell you, that's a very hard one. And without getting into any shalom bias, without discussing how you should mention the spouse in front of the kids, I would interact with the kids in the respectful way. I would have respect for the kids and I would ask them to have respect back and speak respectfully. We had a case where Moshe Turk told us about a mother whose kids were talking loudly and, and as much the kids would talk loudly and raise their voices, so the mother didn't say, Shah, shh, don't talk loud. She didn't say like that. She talked softly. And now all the kids are older and they're all talking softly to her. They're married, they're older. If a kid is talking disrespectfully to me because they're mimicking the spouse, first of all, I would make sure to have a very good relationship with them so that my influence will be stronger than the spouse's influence. I have to have a very close relationship with them. They have to know I'm on their side, that I, I, I always preserve their dignity, all the things that it's a whole, a whole thing about how to be on a child's side in a way that they perceive, but their feelings are very important to me and I always preserve their dignity. I'll share one story of respect with you in a minute, but uh, let me just say the point and then I'll get back to the story. If child is calling me names that he got from the spouse, I'll turn to him and say, like I told the high school teacher before, I so respect you, you're such a special boy, I would like that back from you. I would interact with the children in a very respectful way. Listen to this story. I heard it from my Rosh Hashiva, Rev Ades Shlita, who heard it from his father. His father was the original Rabbi Yaakov Ades, who was very close to Rabbi Yashiv older than Rebel Yashiv. Rebel Yashiv used to ask him advice and they were on the same base in together many years ago. And the senior Rev Adis, once Rev Adis himself, he was 11 years old, a bunch of brothers, and his older brother, brother caught him that he didn't say Birch 
He said, you didn't say Berchus HaMazayim. He said, yes, I did. No, you didn't, you're a liar. So he grabbed the sitter off the table. And I said, Berchus HaMazayim from the sitter. It, to his luck, it was a machzer of Yom Kippur. And there's no benching in the machzer of Yom Kippur. <laughs> so he was caught red-handed. His brother said, aha, now I'm going to take you to Abba. And you're going to get what you deserve. And he drags him to the father. And he says to the esteemed holy Rabbi Yaakov Ades, he says to him, he said that there's Bircha Samazan in the sitter. And he said Bircha Samazan in the city. He shows him it's a machzer for Yom Kippur. So he's waiting for the father to come down on Rabbi Adis Jr., the, the Rosh Hashiva. And the father looks at Now, there are three things Rabbi Adis did wrong. Let's make a cheshvan. He lied. He didn't say Bech Big Avera. He lied. And he held on to his lie with the Siddur. He held on to it. He didn't go down. He didn't back off. So what does the father do? The father looked at, at both of them. And he says, if he says there's Bech in the Siddur, then there's Birchasamazan in that Siddur. So what, ha- what was the Chinuch here? The father also lied. So why does it help anybody? <laughs> He's lying, and the father's lying, and he supports the liar who didn't say Birchasamazan, and that's the kind of behavior you're going to encourage? Insane. I want you to hear the results of the, this behavior. And that's what we're trying to teach you tonight the entire time. Please look at the results of your chinuch. So what happened over here? Rav Adis said from that minute on, he fell in love with Bircha Samazan. Secondly, he is one of the most truthful people on the face of this earth. So what were the results of this chinuch? It worked. Why did it work? He knew his father was on his side. He was going to be embarrassed terribly. And his father preserved his dignity. He didn't let him be embarrassed. If you want to have a close Kesha, that was more important to the father than being Mechanechim. And because the father showed how important it is to me, your respect, the coin dropped, and he got not only respect, he got all the Chinuch too. So if you want your child to be on your side, always respect your child's dignity, be mechanech, yes. Don't embarrass your child when you're mechanechim. The mother is calling her 14-year-old outside to come in. She runs outside and she's screaming. She goes, mommy, don't embarrass me in front of my friends. And the mother says, I don't care. If you want to not get embarrassed, then you listen to me next time. Don't do that. And she comes in. So the mother is wrong. Because if the mother would show the child respect, respect, I don't mean you have to listen to your child. You're the parent but preserve their dignity, don't embarrass them. They'll have respect for you. We are looking to get your kids to respect you. And not only is it possible, we see it all over the place. If you just do it differently, your kids will come to respect you, not overnight, change over time. And it can be done, you can get it. As a session, we've seen it. It's a reality even in this generation. Let's hop around. We have a few more questions over here. Um, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hi. Um, you could hear me? Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. I have a nine-year-old son who's um, incredible. He's been a real work in progress from the time he was two. One of those kids who always knows how to talk back and have the last word, etc. 
Um, Baruch Hashem, he's made huge progress. I would say just through major relationship building and empowerment <clears throat> and conversations. This past year in school, he definitely took a new level of chutzpah, specifically with the teachers. It was very clear why, with the teachers who did not set good boundaries, like the specialty teachers who didn't have good classroom management. So everything we've been doing until now did not work. So we had no choice and we gave him consequences at home and it worked. Lamaisa, he definitely made progress in school. Moving into the uh, next school year, would you support this? Do you have any other suggestions? Why, why should you continue something that's working? If it's working and it's very good for the child, then what's the problem? Now, again, all I, all I, uh, all I ask is that working means that the relationship is still good between you. Not that he's doing things behind your back and that he's still you're still good with each other. He lets you hug him, you talk, you get along well. That's called working. If it's not working, meaning if he's just going along, but it's a matter of time till he rebels or he's rebelling behind the scenes or he's the relationship between you has become strained because of that, then it's not called working. But if it's working, if something's working, why change something that's working? That's very good. I, I guess it's working, but in general with parenting, I view consequences working if they work, meaning long-term. Obviously not for life. I, I understand maybe three, four weeks, a month, but the behaviors definitely would repeat, not as not necessarily with the same teacher. Let's say there's a sub, so he could test the limits, he'll test the limits. His respect for authority, Bichlal, if he doesn't respect sub, the person. A sub is not an indication of anything, honestly. I'll be honest with you, but I don't, it's hard for me to say out, speak out against something that's working. With a child like this, I would take a different approach from the onset. But I, that's why I don't want to discourage you from doing something that's working. But if you're asking me, I would work with this child instead of uh, overpowering him. Just because he's misbehaving doesn't mean he needs consequences, first of all. He can have, you can talk with him. You can work with him and see what would work. But on the other hand, if that won't be enough, maybe you can use positive consequences. Like he can work towards positive consequences have an edge, an advantage that they don't have repercussions. They don't have side effects. When you use, like if the child will get a certain amount of points over the course of the next month, then he'll get a very big positive consequence. And if that's too long to wait, do it for a week on a smaller thing and let the points carry over for a month. This can help a child. I've seen it work with, we have kids groups. I saw this type of, I had to uh, speak for a group of 800 kids in Kiryat Sefer and it was a day camp and it was very, they're not in school and it's not even, and I used this type of method and I got, we got everybody into their seats within a few moments where we're doing a skit, who wants to be in this skit? And I'm also raffling off 20 shekels, 25 shekels, 20 shekels it was. Everybody was quiet. Everybody wanted to be chosen to be in the skit and everybody wanted to get the raffle of the 20 shekels. So it was uh, in a few minutes, everybody was in their seats. You can use positive consequences. They don't have the repercussions. With the, I'll say another thing. You can't say something is working if you have to keep doing it. The antibiotics, if you have to keep taking antibiotics, then I would look more to build the immune system rather than having to take the antibiotics again and again, because that weakens the system in general. When we gave a formula before to know if something is working, we gave the formula, it's called AIG2. A means acceptance, the child accepts it, like it seems your child is accepting it. I is improvement. It works and you don't have to keep doing it so much. 
if you have to keep now I, if you have to keep doing it uh, every six weeks to two months that's okay but if you have to mamish keep doing it and doing it and doing it and even strengthening it that's not called working so I would try if you could the talking with and working with a child he's nine years old maybe he's impulsive maybe he's ADHD maybe he has all kinds of it's hard for him to control himself maybe he's just very independent and authority uh, defiant but if you, if you have a good cash with him you could work with him fine if that's not enough and he needs some incentive i would try with a positive incentive where he gets points rather than a consequence where he loses things that that is much more powerful thank you and, and is that it it's really teacher specific meaning the teacher has to be on board and consistent with the feedback you don't, you don't have to tell the teacher and just teacher his self-awareness anything about it you can trust the child. You could check in with the teacher in general. And the, the these things work better if you have less people involved, just as simpler and less complicated. So you, you need less things to be done to make it happen. You tell the child, he'll you'll give him points each day. You'll hear what he says. And you'll call the teacher once, twice a week to hear how things are going to make sure. But if the child, if you have a good relationship, the child is open with you, I would trust the child. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Okay, beautiful. Okay, next live question you're on. Hi. Okay, so you said not to hit the frog. Um, what if the frog not to, is not to what hit the frog? Yes. Not to hit the frog. Uh, yes. What if the frog is hitting you and biting you and hitting other people and completely out of control every time? There's they don't they're not able to get the thing that they want. Um, that's that's the first part, and the second part leads into. Also, what if the child, it's one thing to, to be able to ignore, not ignore, I'm sorry, to not respond when the child is being chutzpahdik to you. When there's another person that's getting hurt and involved, whether it's you're there and there's another adult, it's a neighbor, it's a friend, it's a teacher, that the child is being chutzpahdik to. How do you respond, again, being that you're not necessarily the main target? So there's, it's like a second, if we could take the first question first. The second question is more complicated, so I have to hear some more details. But in the first question, depends how old the child is. Now, when we don't like when children today, unfortunately, children can really hurt their parents, especially mothers. And we have children, um, children uh, kicking their mothers, punching their mothers, and really hurting them as they get older and pinching them and even from the ages of four and on and it's not acceptable and it can get worse so it's something we like to stop right away regardless of the relationship this is a red line that we try under all circumstances practically kimat to make sure this doesn't happen so we have one of our most severe types of consequences that we use specifically for this and it's, uh, I'm afraid to mention it because I don't, it's only to be used for extreme. There are parents that will start using it and think that other things that are not extreme are extreme. But please understand this is, we use this only for when children hit and physically hurt them, hit their mothers. And that, and it, it's called ignoring. We have the mother ignore the child and give them a certain ignoring penalty and it can go for, we start out with a small amount of time based on the age of the child. I don't know how old, how old is the child? I'm talking about like the seven, eight year old range. Seven, eight year old. Okay. So and, now, but there's uh, other people that can get, that are getting hurt also, not the other people I have parents. to, I have to hear, but that's the second question. Basically you have to explain to me, 
But right now, for as far as the mother is concerned, if it's only the mother, if the child is not bullying other children, it's just between the mother and the child, then I would use ignoring and I would start with five minutes of ignoring. And if that doesn't work, I could up it to 15 minutes of ignoring. Now, it's very possible that the mother and the child don't have a close relationship, there's something strain in the relationship between the mother and the child, or maybe the child feels the mother is against him. It could be a very difficult child, I'm not saying. Now, if the child is bullying others and he's hurting others, this is a different situation. This is a case of sibling rivalry between bullies and victims. We have in sibling rivalry, we teach 10 different methods for victims, and we teach something which is very uh, counterintuitive. It's called building the bully. A lot of times, if you take the bully aside and you hear their side, even if they're wrong, you hear them and you be on their side, even if they're wrong. You don't have to do what they say, but you hear them and you give them the feeling that you're with them. That calms them down and that stops them from bullying. Bullies are bullies not because they want to be bullies, because they can feel power, because they're very scared people and they feel threatened easily and they're afraid. So you want to make them, if you're on their side, a bully can bully. One time we had a case where a bully was bullying the rest of the children and I told the mother, he's doing it to get your negative attention. Ignore him. So you know what happened? The mother that day didn't pay attention at all. She ignored totally everything the bully hurt the other kids. And he went over to Ma, is I think a 14-year-old. Ma, don't you see that I'm hitting the kids? As he wanted the mother's reaction, Ma, don't you see? And she didn't react. So he, he didn't have his ammunition. So but he if he's really hurting the kids. Okay, so it depends how bad he's hurting. But if you take him aside and you give him a hug and you say, Shlemi, I love you. What's bothering you? Tell me, I'm on your side. I think if you do that four or five times, he's not going to hurt the other kids so quickly. So what happens is a lot of times we try to protect the kids from the big bad bully and it becomes the kids and us against the bully. And we forget about trying to help this child. And whereas the solution could be the exact opposite. Whereas you go and makarev the bully, we call it building the bully. You're saving not only all the children, you're saving the bully as well. Consider that. That might be a solution for you. Right. And as far as the when like the chutzpah part, though, let's say to other, um, to another adult. So again, a, a if child you're is being out... very very chutzpah to another adult, as the mother of that child. So again, is the, I would, the mother would, supposed it, to get involved or just allow it and let it go? You could remove him from there. I don't know in what context it's happening, but I would think that this is a case where you deal more with the problem than the symptom. Meaning if you get a better relationship with the child and you become close to the child, then you can talk to the child and you can say, Shlaimi, it's not so nice. Even if it's something is bothering you, tell me what's going on, we'll work it out. Or make a signal if somebody else did something that bothers you. Don't say to them this and this, come tell me on the side, I'll work it out with you, we'll do something. I think that the, if it'll be less chutzpah towards you and you'll have a good relationship with you, it'll carry over to all these other areas. So here is something where I would focus a lot on the underlying problem than I would on the symptom. In any case, if you're stuck and you have no choice over here, then I would do what we call the first aid that we mentioned before. I would remove the boy to another room. 
I would have him over there and I wouldn't be machanech him now. That I wouldn't do. I would leave the chinuch for later. Chinuch meaning whatever I'm going to do that will make things better. Do that for later. We need a solution for this situation this minute. And even the removing him, you have to be careful. There are mothers that will dig in their nails into the boy's arms because they want to stop there so, so hurt and embarrassed and shamed how he could be chutzvedik to a neighbor in front of you or to his grandmother in front of you or to a relative or to this in front of you. And they want to show it to the child. So they remove it. Please take the E out of the emotions that you go through the motions emotionlessly. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me. So, don't ask me to repeat that. Yes. Okay. So just to, to go back again, if if the child is is slapping, kicking, whatever, to the parent, um, can you just in, review? In this but, case, without I, the so, other. Yes. Yeah, so in this case, I I'm, I just my heart tells me that it has more to do with the problem than the symptom. So if I'm going to treat a problem in a way that I make a, a symptom in a way that's making the problem bigger. I would not. The girl who called her mother a donkey, I would not punish this girl because there's a problem here. And if I'm going to punish and consequence, it's going to make it worse. So I initially answered you that I would punish the boy. In this case, I wouldn't punish. I would go and work out with love. I would take him into a room. I would give him a hug. I would say, something's bothering you, Shlemy. Tell me, I want to make you feel better. And I would work very um, fo- with focused uh, energy, I would work cons- or consistency. I would work on getting a closer Kesha with him, showing him more love, being of him more. And if you do that, I think these things will happen a lot, lot less. If you do have a close Kesha with him and he's doing these things even so, then that's the time when we have the consequences in place because it's not a symptom, an indication of a problem. It's just he's allowing himself to not to control himself. We'll help him with the self-control. That's very, very Mm -hmm. different. That's very different. In this case, my heart tells me, again, I could be wrong. I don't know, you know, so I'm just giving you the information. If you know, if you have a good relationship, he feels lots of love, he feels you love him tremendously. And it's just a matter of, he's losing himself, then consequences are in place. If it's only the symptom, but if the symptom is an indication of a deeper problem, then deal with the problem, not with the symptom. And this, once you fix the problem, the symptom will be go away too. I, I have found though, when, like when I try to do the loving and try to do the hug and try to like approach it that way, I get slapped again. Okay, get out so of here. then so then may, but what's what forget about the moment what's the relationship so maybe right now just take him into him say i hear you you're really upset what's bothering you i don't know that that's the right thing maybe you're not being assertive enough i'm just giving you the different things if you have a good relationship basically and he does feel loved by you basically just he has an anger maybe he has an anger issue an anger control issue maybe that's the problem if that's the problem taking him aside to another room and letting him express his anger will get him, will diffuse him and get him to calm down. Maybe that's what you have to work on. Again, it's hard to fix something up if you don't know what's broken. I gave you a few options. If there's a problem here, it's not just a symptom of chutzpah, 
is a problem, then what is the problem? Is he out of control because he can't control himself, he gets angry? Let's deal with his anger. Let's work on anger management with him. If the problem is that he thinks you're against him, so then let's work on showing him we're not against him and showing him love. If the problem is that he just doesn't control himself, then consequences are in place and the consequences will make the boundaries where he's lacking self-control, the consequences will add in the control. Let's go to, let's hop around a little bit more because I know it's late. I just want to get some one or two questions in. Okay, you're on live. Hi, um, so my question is about my daughter that's off the derech and she's been like extremely out of control the last two weeks. How do I handle that? How old is she? 17. Okay, we know only one word for kids off the derech. And that's the honest truth. I've heard this from G'dayle Hadar, and I've seen it myself with Dilem Kizov Zederach. The one word is love. That's all we know. Now, again, I don't know if your daughter, even if your daughter is, I dealt myself with a 14-year-old girl who was a Beis Yaakov girl, who was a prostitute, who was a drug addict. Don't ask. And came from a regular from home. And the father, I told the father, I went to G'dayle Hadar and I asked them and they told me what I'm telling you. And the father heard it and he accepted it. And- How uh, are you supposed to give love to a child that just stays out all night? And like, I tried consequences and there's nobody not, to talk to. I, I would not discipline. That's the last thing in the world I would do. It just makes it worse. You have to make a turnaround, 180 degree turnaround, start making deposits in their emotional bank account, start doing things for them, start giving them things, start making them a priority, getting things done for them, buying them little gifts. So I do that all the time. But like now, one of the issues is that she bought non-kosher food. She wanted me to pay for it. I said, I'm not going to. And somebody gave her money that she was supposed to give to me. And she just took that money off. And she's like, well, I'm not giving it to you. She took the money off and she she went and bought the non-kosher food. She bought non-kosher food a couple of weeks back. And she asked me, like, if, if she goes to buy food, if I'll pay for it. I said, depends what it is and depends how much. I'll tell you the honest truth. We heard this from Rev. Gershon Edelstein. Have you heard of him? A big, yes. big rabbi just passed away. And he said, in these kind of cases, you help the child. He said, even to buy them mini skirts and all kinds of things, I would give her the money. I would ask her if she could do you a favor and keep it on paper plates in a separate place to not to make you proud. Right, so she doesn't house. bring it into the house, right. at least so that. I'm happy, I'm happy to pay for you. What can I do? What else can I do for you? And sure, absolutely. Let me buy and give you extra money for it. Why is that? Rev. Berkowitz once told me that and these things, the chinuch is measured by the end result. And these things will bring the kids back. I want to tell you about the 14-year-old who was a prostitute and on drugs and messed up like I can't tell you. The girl, it took about uh, 12 years, but the girl came back. She returned wow. Bechuva and she's married and she, Baruch Hashem, she married a real Ben Taira. Not to be believed. I would never have believed it, honestly. But we followed it from beginning to end. Become your daughter's friend. That's the best thing you can do for your daughter. And it'll take time, but little by little, chip away, chip away, chip away. And I've tried, but she just pushes me away. So no, like, just let her do whatever she wants. Her, no, help her do whatever she wants. Don't let her do whatever she wants. Be 
go the other way, 180 degree turner and give her money to buy non-kosher food and go help her. And at the end of the day, she'll come around. But you have to do it really to an extreme. Now, if mm -hmm. you can do it, get others to do it. But somebody has to do it. I would suggest you do it as much as you can. It's very counterintuitive, but it's tried and proven. Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky three times said that this is what works, this is what works, this is what works. We've seen it. We've seen it on our own. It takes time. But mm -hmm. you go, you let these kids, one mother was with her son who was, he insisted that the rock and roll music be played out loud in front of, and the mother did it. She let him play and after a year or something, another it was story after story after story. I'm not gonna bore you with stories. Go help her do what she wants. Give her money for it, support her. You wanna stay at what, what can I do for you more? How can I help you have a good time? How can I help you this? How can I help you that? And what if it's an issue of safety? Safety, I can't tell you if it's if it's an issue of drugs and you're talking about drug addiction or you're talking about uh, things that more than it needs more individual guidance. What can mm -hmm. I say? There is a mahalach out there. It's called twisted parenting. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I tried to um, reach out to him so far. No luck. I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't take you, but I can't tell you. Do you need rabbanim? He insists you have a rav that's behind you, but he's had awesome success with that mahalach. I would continue right. trying to find him, but that's what I am telling you. Now, there are those that are opposed to that mahalach, but honestly, many G'dayli Yisrael, and we've seen it, have worked, the, the ones that are opposed are opposed to the mahalach with other children, but with kids of the derech, this is what works. Right. Honestly. honestly. Okay, thank you so much. Yes, bad slacha. Also, I will say something. There's something else that works with kids of the derech that's not in the way of Ishtadlis, but with tefillah. There are parents that have done tefillah marathons. I know a father, you're going to look like I'm crazy, but he did a six-hour tefillah stint for his kids of the derech. He did it four times. Wow. 24 hours of tefillah. Now, there's another big thing, which is a big segula, a thanking Hashem. Now, I know of parents that have thanked Hashem for their kids being off the derech and they came back. So a mother goes once a month and she thanks Hashem for six hours that her kids are off the derech and they all came back, I think. That's amazing. Yeah, and that is something that is- I'm really... not that holy. Wah, wah. Say again. I'm not that holy. You don't have to be holy, you have to be desperate. Not holy, we're not talking about holy over here. Desperate, you could do a half hour, do a half hour a day. Okay. That's that's all, and these things do work. That's Hashem. Over time, not overnight. Don't give up. Okay. Keep at it. Thank you. Thank you. And also, I will share with you that a lot of times the kids that go off are from the most special parents. And don't beat yourself up. It's not about you. And this is a Matisio Solomon said a gazera min hashamayim. You could have from the best families and parents do all kinds of things right, and the kids go off. The main focus is how to get them back. And right. Hashem will reward your efforts. Amen. Thank you. Sure. Forever, Rizek. Let's go to closing now. What a powerful share tonight. So powerful. Okay, so first, Rizek for coming on tonight and giving tremendous chizik. There was hundreds and hundreds of people here tonight. Thousands, thousands of people that listened to it. Again, tonight's share is 152. Tonight should be a schus. Menachem, what was the name of the person of Rizek? 
Shana Malka Bas Dobra. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah. And my father, let's see if you can remember that. I, I don't remember that. I know that I know the could I just mention something that they were doing? They were for us to Shana Malka Bas Dobra, and maybe they'll do it also for your father. Moshe Binyamin. Ben Bracharifka. Ben Bracharifka. So there's something we've been doing around the world, and a lot of people, a few thousand, to my knowledge, a lot of people, hundreds of people, maybe a few thousand already on it, and they've accepted from 6 p.m. to 6.15 p.m. not to say hurtful words. And they've been doing it for Shoshana Malka and you never know, they've been seeing something has been moving to a degree with Hashem Sab Shushira Rav Shlema. And for your father, 15 minutes a day, they don't speak anything negative? Nothing hurtful. It's not Lashon Arts, I know from 6 p.m. to 6.15. If anybody wants to accept this upon themselves from now till after Hashanah Rabbah, as a Belina, there's a schus for Moshe, Binyamin, Ben Bracharivka, and Shoshanah Malkabastabra. Please do so. It has nothing to do with Chinuch, but it's a big zechus. 6 p.m. to 6.15 p.m. And you can send a text to one of our our mothers, you can get a reminder, a daily reminder if you want. Yes, you see they're texting it on right now onto the chat. One of our people, one of our fans are on the line. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to closing. Again, if anybody wants to join uh, and get the flyers every week, WhatsApp, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 and say my number. I'll send you the flyer every Sunday for that Sunday share. If you just want to sign up for the weekly emails from Menachem, go to, and get the replays on the information, go to www.menachemburnfall.com. If you get a man who's here the first time every Sunday night at 9.30 on the Zoom ID, we have tremendous speakers, Rabbonim, therapists, the best of the best we bring out here, and Baruch Shemar We added you to, to the collection. And uh, next week, August 6th, the Mashem, there will not be a share, making chasana, and everybody's invited. And hopefully we'll see everybody the following Sunday, August 13th, with Hashem's help, Rebbe Greenfeld from Lakewood. We've been discussing marriages in crisis and severe marital situations. He's a Rav here in Chestnut that deals with tremendous stuff. Please join us. And it should be a very powerful and meaningful program and let people know about it. Again, everything will be recorded. If anybody has any questions for Menachem or for Rabbi Bizak, you can email coachmenachem at gmail.com. And again, tonight's share is 152. And if you want to hear it on the phone lines, the mention will be up tomorrow at 848-777-GROW. That's 848-777-4769. If anybody wants to join Reverend Brizak's classes, Reverend Brizak, maybe even very before we go to your closing, we're not up to your closing yet. Just tell everybody about your classes and your courses and what Reverend Brizak does. The website is chinuch, c h i n u c h dash lifelines plural dot org. Reverend Brizak, can you tell us a little bit about your classes and the things that you do, and then we're gonna go back to Menachem, then to you for closing. So Hashem, we have a lot of classes, all kinds. We have workshops. We have a help desk where you can send in questions. We have question and answer sessions. We have webinars, about 15 different webinars on different topics. And we're, 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 we want to help as much as we can. We're finding that we're not able to get out there to all the people that need our help. So if you are listening and you want to be helped, you'd like to open a program, you'd like to join a workshop, we have a workshop called the A to Z's of Parenting, trying to put up a workshop now called the A to Z's of parenting teenagers. There's a lot to do and there's a lot to hear and we wanna help as much as we can. Come to us so we can help you. Contact our website, there's a contact form to fill out. Say you're interested in a program, could someone contact you? 
try to make it affordable and very reasonable. I think the prices are very reasonable, they're very low. Contact us and fill out, if you wanna get help in more of a consistent direction, when you're directed more consistently, you can reach higher levels and higher levels. The mother who has such a great relationship with her kids and originally was a disciplinarian, I don't think she could have done it on her own. I think she got there because there was guidance. So we're here to guide you, but we don't, we're not reaching the people that wanna be guided. So we, perhaps this is a platform with Hashem Sab, we thank you, Rabbi Nachem and Rabbi Asher and all the people involved. Maybe you can reach out to us, fill in the contact form, say you want to be contacted, you'd like to join a program. Maybe we can even design programs that will suit you more and we can get more people. We wanna help. If you wanna be helped, we wanna help. Help put us together so that we could get the, the, the good result. Let's go back over here again. Thank you to all the advertising sponsors, Liquid Scoop, Elliot Nario from Five Town Central, Chayla Kaplan from JCN. And this one to everybody that can I share was unbelievable. It was Muridic. We covered so many angles. We went we went all over. And then there's a lot more to talk about. We didn't cover everything. Make sure we come back again down the, down the road. And just say one thing that was just some wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna save you, save you. Just wait, wait. Okay, go, wait. Go, 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 go. Remember, I told you at the end, it's all gonna to come to you. So, <laughs> yeah, hey, Coach Menachem, go first, and then we're gonna pass the torch over. Yeah, I was gonna thank you, thank you very much, Brizak, for coming on. And like we heard, um, it's not, it's not easy, and it doesn't happen now. You know, a lot of times you wanted to change now. Things should we should see the results now, but like we heard, it does take time. And um, how to be there while we, while we're on the journey, and sometimes it can be hard. So that's why we need to reach out. Obviously, there are many Malchim, and tonight we heard a few a few ideas, and Rizik has much more. But um, the idea of it takes time. It's important. It's hard for many people. Like we discussed it, we, you know, it presses our buttons and we get triggered. So the Cheshvan Nefesh is very important to see how it triggers me before I see um, how I react to my kids. And the other thing, the important piece is the relationship. Um, I know there are those who, who don't have good relationships and they think for them it's not going to work. But like we heard, it's like a bank account. You have to keep on putting in positives, just depositing some positives, and it's going to take time because you're chipping away from the negatives to keep on doing it. And even though you don't see the results right away. So I want to give my bracha for those. And Hashem should help give us, open our eyes, guide us, guide us to the right places, to the right uh, help we need so that we can give our kids what they need, give ourselves what we need so we can be there for our kids. And in Hashem, we should be proud. And we should be zoicha to come to come to Mashiach with uh, all the kaychas that we put in. Amen. Now, after such a share, after so much kaychas, give us the closing. Okay, Bezashem. I just want to quickly say there was a chat about a 17-year-old who's not talking to her father for a year. I think you should get a third party involved to find out what's bothering her and what's the reason. And then based on that, we can try to do something. If you want to contact me, you can't fix it up. You don't know what's broken. I would like to finish with a very big point to be mechazek, all of you. I think you're, you're really special that you sat in on this session and the people involved are special. Little bits 
done over time can get you very, very far. So what's critical is, I think you have to use your, it's gonna sound funny, but you have to use your hand. And I'll show you how to use your hand. You said not to hit, I think you should hit, but this is how you hit. You take your hand and you move it like this and you hit yourself on the back three times. Thank you, Hashem, I did pretty good today. Find one time that you're gonna parent right. Find one time you'll do what's best for your child that will bring the favorable results and celebrate it. Thank Hashem for it. Make a lachayim. Take your natural mineral water, make a lachayim. Do something, appreciate yourself. Hashem is pleased if you make even a small effort. And if you value that, you know how they teach whales at SeaWorld. They have whales that jump out of the water about 20 feet high. How do they teach them? They hold a rope. And every time the whale goes over the rope, they reward the whale. I've seen them. They feed these whales fish, like nonstop fish. Like their mom is giving them the... So they hold the rope and they raise the rope higher and higher and higher until it's out of the water 20 feet. Where do they start? They hold the rope under the whale. So the whale can't fail. They give him something so easy to do that he'll certainly do it. Catch yourself on something easy. Give yourself something easy. We said a lot of things tonight, but do something easy. Let's say you wait five, count to five before you scream at your child. And if you did that, that's a huge thing. Pat yourself on the back, celebrate it because that's going to help you get very far, even 20 feet high out of the water position. And Davin, Davin, I Davined before this workshop. I for this podcast and I something I don't stop doing Bez Hashem. May Hashem answer your tefillas. May you have nachas and great hatzlocha in your chinuch. Uh, Rabbi Zak, people want to know that number of the lady the, for the reminder about the six six fifteen. Six six fifteen. The number is the is she on the line? The reminder nine one seven. Six eight five nine eight one three, I think is her number. Nine one seven six eight five nine eight one three. I think that's her number. Well, if not, so, hold on, hold on. Somebody, somebody just texted it. Give me a second. Uh, again, if you can look at the chats, can you see the chats? I can't see them from my end. Somebody just chatted the number. That's that's the number you just said. Nine eight. So that's the number. Nine one seven. Actually, you you put it in the chat. Six eight five nine. Anybody out there that has a number, please put it in the chat or email it to coachmanachemajino.com. Okay, so this is the number for a lady that if you want to get reminded every day at six o'clock. Nine eight one five. Yeah, not to speak anything. Nine one eight. Oh, it's a different number. Nine one seven six eight five nine eight one three. I think that's the number that. Did anybody chat you otherwise? There's a different one. What's yeah. the number that was given? Okay, well, let's stick with that one. 917-839. Oh, it's a different number. It's a different number. 9815. Say again, say again. 917-583-9815. I made a mistake. It's not 685. That's right. 583-9815. That's the correct Okay, so everybody say text 917-583-9815. 9815. 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 
Okay, Rabbi Bizak, thank you so much for tonight. And Hashem will see everybody next week by the Chassan, August 6th, and August 13th back here. Don't be late. Zagazan. Thank you. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.